0: everybody it's been way too long but there was a lot of stuff we did and also i was sick for a short while but we're back finally with another episode and we have another guest that we've been longing to have on the on the show for a while it's uh opa or ben
1: yeah hi everyone
0: and yeah with me is as always max
2: hey guys yeah so for anyone who doesn't know, Opa is a super super talented limited grinder. I think maybe he's dipped his toe here and there into constructed formats as well, but mainly, I think a limited grinder and how many uh like super <laughs> qualifiers have you won recently? It seems like you keep finishing like either toward the top or I don't know like just straight up winning
1: for this season. I have a a win and two seventies. And then a 3-3, but I think I could have probably gotten 7-2 with that 3-3, but I wasn't really focused. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I I always like to call you when I describe you um, like a limited grinder and aspiring casual player, because I know how much you like casual magic as well.
1: Oh yeah, I love all the casual formats the most, like the chaos that we do and the weird uh, alt play events. And honestly, anything with no stakes is pretty fun for me.
0: Yeah, and you also came up with a new format we tried out. Maybe we should we should talk about that um, after your signature spellbook. Yeah, uh, that sounds did.
2: good to me. Yeah. So, do we want to dive into that spellbook? Learn what Opas about?
1: Sure. Sure. Okay. Okay. I I always like to play guessing games. You know, they're like uh, okay. you know, you know, thinking about how other people think is thinks is kind of fun so i have two questions all right what color do you think my signature spell books just omits completely because there's 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 colors of magic that i don't really think are you know i I don't really like getting cards from them like expressively too much i don't know i don't know if you would know that from like talking to me or play with me but i would prefer just to only play like oh maybe three or four colors you know i'm not going to tell you exactly which ones and then
0: okay okay
1: what is the Neon card that I added to my list? Well, there's two, but if, okay.
0: you could definitely guess one. So, Max, let's let's take turns saying colors that we think are in this battle.
2: Okay, I've got to go with red to start.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the, yeah it's got to be drafted. there, right?
2: I don't know almost anyone who's drafted Mono Red in Chaos Draft, except for Opa, and Opa's done that. <laughs> I'm not even sure how many times. It's so impressive, like... I don't know. Like, the monocolored ducks are always really special. and
0: is correct? Red is in there? Oh,
2: definitely, definitely. <laughs> good, good,
0: good. Okay. I say blue is in there as well. Yeah. I would be surprised if blue is in there. Everybody likes at least a few blue cards.
2: Is blue in yep. there? Yes, that, that's definitely correct. Okay, yeah. okay. All right. Now it gets much tougher, because yeah i don't know when i think of opa colors i think of is it and when i think of non opa colors i think of abzan so forcing me to choose the abzan colors i i think i would maybe choose black huh. cool. okay <laughs> I, I guess it's you like, don't it? know how i draft normal sets but oh, no. <laughs> <All right. laughs> i was thinking i was thinking about a certain anvil that may or may not have been in the spellbook when i guessed that but uh looks like a...
0: yeah
1: oh wait wait oh sorry sorry i thought you were saying black wasn't in oh black is definitely in yes yes oh. yes yes you're 100 oh correct. good okay oh my exactly. god I, I
0: totally misunderstood you yeah yeah, yeah. no you completely well, understand how i draft so now i could lose um <laughs> so
2: well wait first we should probably are we are we done like are there only three colors or are there more colors? oh
1: no no there there's there's one more color that's almost certainly in there and then there's one that i expressly do not like in magic that much in general even
0: yeah <laughs> I I say white, is that correct?
1: No, 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 I, I, I really don't like white decks that much. Ah, oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> so close. I would have
2: guessed white too, for the record.
0: Yeah, I guess we are, just, we are just blinded by us liking Yeah,
1: don't you know I love like weird five-color decks?
2: Yeah, I mean, you do love multicolored decks, that's true. I just, I don't know. It seems like green is really not your favorite, but I guess second maybe second-least-favorite is still, you know, above white.
1: Okay, well... In 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 every regular draft set and maybe sometimes cube, uh, red black is like my number one archetype. Like I'll try to force that in every set. Like in every set, you know, you got good removal, you got like cheap efficient threats, and most of the time you can grind the game until like turn 14 or whatever with a red black deck, with graveyard recursion or like some. They printed card draw in like red now, so now there's like draw yeah. twos in black and in red. And then my second favorite in every format no matter what it is like modern horizons 2 first deck i drafted green black i love green black just mind rots and cantrip creatures
0: <laughs> okay great we have to still guess the the two cards that are in the spellbook book from
1: amigawa neon dynasty
0: yeah <laughs> so yeah first guess was the anvil is that in
1: oh yeah yeah definitely
0: and then the virus bug or what it's called the beetle beetle virus beetle
1: oh no that i don't think that would i don't think that's a strong enough card to make it into my spell book actually there's one super weak card in my spell book that really expresses who i am as a a magic player i think
0: (laughs) (laughs) good okay then i guess we won't won't guess the second one yeah Yeah.
1: it's it's fable of the mirror breaker i love cards that let you do like a million things and this card actually does like uh, actual infinite things basically you can even go semi-infinite in Kamigawa with this and like Mind Link Mech, you can make a bunch of uh, Mind Link Mechs by copying, like crewing the Kiki, copying the Kiki, and then just keep doing that <laughs> end of turn. And then on your turn, you have a ton of Kiki. These that are Mind Link Mechs, I think. Ah, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, actually, in the PTQ that I won, I had that in my pool. I didn't think about it until my friend told me in round eight, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I I didn't want to mess my mana up by splashing fable. Even though Fable's super strong, but I should have done that just for the sake because I was running the writing. You know, I was running the Mindlink Meg, so. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, well, I guess I can I can try to explain everything. Let me let me start with I had eleven actually. I had to narrow it down, but I realized that I'm kind of a casual player at heart, so I can't like these three are super spiky. I think, and if your opponent like, I think the ones on my list are pretty fun to play against and definitely to play with, but definitely if you play against a uh, if you play against these that are. Pretty close, you know, the, like, I, I don't know, maybe maybe like Oko could have made it in, because I think Oko is the super sick card, but playing against Oko is miserable, that's for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Emrakul, The Promised End, I mm-hmm. think that card is super sick. I, I just think Emrakul is this, like, fun little puzzle where you try to enable, you draft, like, random-ass cards, and you try to make, you know, like, a 7-mana 13-13, that's pretty sick, or 6-mana, if you can, if you're doing Chaos, and you can find, like, Tarfire or something, or Nameless Inversion, maybe, for the Tribal. Mm-hmm. And then cryptic command. Cryptic command, I think, is not you know. I guess it's good enough for vintage cube, and but like in if we were just playing like for for fun or whatever, I don't think playing against a ton of cryptic commands is particularly fun. So those were really close, and I played with those cards like a ton and enjoy them in more spikier formats. But I don't think they're true to who I am as a player.
0: I guess. Gotcha. So they were uh, just outside of the spellbook cards.
1: Yeah, they were so close—just 9th, tenth, yeah, yeah. and eleventh, I think. <laughs> Do you, wait, wait, actually. Let's let's hear what actually did make the cut for you. Okay, so Oni Cold Anvil, I mean, this car just pretty cool. Like that that's that's a new addition, but I think that that one will definitely stay for a long time. Cause it's like a nice little engine car. It's not too overbearing. It's really nice in multiples, but the fact I think they designed it pretty nicely. They made it only trigger on your turn. Cause I could mm. I could just imagine it being absolutely oppressive if you could get one ones from things dying on your opponent's turn. I think it's just perfect. Everything about it is perfect. It's like a slow grinding engine. And there's ways to kind of just, like, not just sacrifice the construct it makes every turn and build up an army too, but it's probably good. And, you know, you can probably do that easier and maybe the artifact cube that you have finite. For sure,
0: yeah. You're really right about this, not triggering on the opponent's turn. That is very important. Like, when you first read the card, you wish it would do that, but if your opponent can just infinitely jump block and keep draining you (laughs) just with the card itself, that's, like, really miserable to play again yeah it doesn't do that
2: just like the hidden stockpile yeah nice design choice there
1: yeah they did a really good job with that one same with the fable the mirror breaker i think i don't don't know why it does so many things but it doesn't feel too broken it might have to do with the fact that the backside doesn't come in with haste i'm sure if you could immediately copy something the card would be pretty oppressive
2: it does seem like a really strong card i mean it's had a pretty big constructed impact and not too many people like foresaw that necessarily and it, apparently it's quite the card for cubes too. Like it really gives red decks an ability to grind that they didn't necessarily have before.
1: We might be able to talk about it later too when we're talking about vintage cubes, because sure, I yeah. definitely uh, include I liked its inclusion in the in the recent iteration. Okay, so I think Lutri the Spell Chaser, I think is a pretty sick card. I like it just because if you draft it, you kind of, like it's kind of free. But it's pretty. It's it's more fun in constructed in sixty card or whatever, because then you really get to, you get really, you really get to flex your deck building muscles. There's not much else to say besides that, because you know it's just, it's just have a bunch of one ofs in your deck. But <laughs> have you
0: played it in constructed?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have like, uh, I actually have like a bunch of random five os and like. Uh, there, there, I got one in Pioneer recently with like a blue-black control list. I, I got one in the standard where when it was legal and standard with the weird teamer build. I have some in Legacy with just like really bizarre control decks. <laughs> I also have a lot of losses with it. Like I burned a lot of money on Lutri, mostly in Legacy because you only get one Force of Will and one Force of Negation. But the <laughs> the the card does pretty good work if you can really think about how to make your deck redundant.
2: <laughs> it does seem like a really cool card and the like constructed lutri lists i've seen really remind me of cube and like sometimes you'll see cards show up that don't normally show up in constructed like because lutri is companion but we might have to come back to lutri later too because you did kill both of us with the (laughs) lutri duck not super long ago in (laughs) casual format that we devised
1: yeah, that is true. I was trying not to do Lutri for that, but I did end up doing Lutri because the the draft forced me to. I couldn't not do it.
0: Okay, we talked about that in a while. Yeah, let's finish problem.
1: All right. So next we got Huntmaster of the Fells. This is another one of those cards that uh, there's two on the list. I used to play like a lot of standard, probably in I think it's Innistrad and in, like Scars Block, and then Innistrad and in, like Return to Ravnica. So yeah, Huntmaster of the Fells is basically my favorite card ever. I think even more, even more so than any other card on this list. Just because I don't know, it does a lot. It's not like too overbearing. I guess sometimes in constructed it's a little it's a little rough to play against, but I just I like any card that has a lot of value and Huntmaster of the Fells has basically infinite value.
0: Yeah, it's infinite time,
2: yeah. Great value card. It's also
1: you, you can play it in Vintage Cube too. I mean your deck is usually kinda goofy if you have Hunt Master of the Fells in it, but <laughs> I still like playing it in that format. Um and then next i got traverse the ulvenwald that th- this card this card's kind of perfect because in draft like i don't know if any cubes run it but I, it would be kind of sick if you could run any cube but in in the draft format which i didn't do too much of but if you did get it basically you can run extra colors which is kind of sweet and just being able to like tutor up your best card is pretty nice i, I think it's shansen constructed cuz i used to play these like modern events in real life with a uh, traverse the ulvenwald where i'd play with like one Emrakul and i'd have like like one tarmogoyf, one tarfire and like a bunch of random other singletons and i would uh <laughs> i would do pretty well in those just cuz it was real life modern i guess it's a little power crept out of the format now but i do yeah. think it's one of those cards that's that makes your deck building kind of fun it does have
2: a place in my one mana cube and it is yeah it's a super sweet card i mean the strictly better layer of the land effects are usually pretty fun and yeah i noticed too that this is sort of the second card on your list that cares about card types in graveyard i know i recall the promised end just missed your list but it's interesting to note that uh you know that has commonality with
1: oh yeah i love playing with the graveyard that's probably why fables in there too because it enables some uh, re- like reanimation or graveyard uh shenanigans okay and the next one is kind of similar i guess arkham's astrolabe <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if uh, everyone that listens has played Modern Horizons 1, but one of the archetypes for the format was basically take every Astrolabe you saw, even over like really powerful cards, and then you take a ton of Snowlands. And then you kind of just fill out your deck with the rest. Like You could do all kinds of things. There was, like this uh, Sam Black deck where um, you try to storm off with Splice, which ended up playing really well with Astrolabe because <laughs> that deck wanted kind of a lot of different colors. And you had this card that was also win con potentially in that deck was oh do you remember the name of it It mills and you can replicate it to mill but you can also shut like shuffles things in from your graveyard to your library you're talking about one second here yeah
0: i have the picture in mind
1: uh stream of thought yeah yeah yeah. yes arkham's Lab allowed you to play with almost every card in the set like you could do you could really draft interesting decks like one of my favorite draft decks that i ever had in the format was a blue red deck that had like a ton of eye kites a ton of the Minotaur that gains double strike when you draw an extra card, mm-hmm. and four Astrolabes. That was a, that was a very interesting <laughs> one because yeah. I just happened to Luxac into a Prismatic Vista and a ton of Noah Islands and Snow Mountains. So I didn't splash for any colors. I played like a, I think it was like a 15 or 14 land deck. It, it was it was definitely a very low land count because I had all the Astrolabes. Yeah, you got to do all the fringe stuff in that format. Obviously there was the Snow deck and like people did that. It was powerful. You could mill people with crabs. You could play like really big... Um, uh, th- this this Yeti card that taps things down, I think. Or maybe it was a... I, I don't know what creature type it was, but it's... um That was pretty cool. And Astrolabe would be nice for a cube. Do you guys think it's possible to have snow in a cube? I've, I've never seen any uh, cubes with snow in the format.
0: I think it's pretty hard. I think you... If they would print a little bit more another set, or maybe two, then it would probably be relatively easy to build, like, a, a, a cube that's, like, focused around it build around it but people have also tried to include it in cubes by just saying it that snow is the same as windings or (laughs) uh, i don't know many different things that don't really work in our case where we play most of it like on mtgo online yeah i mean yeah or you could just provide people with all the snow they want
2: yeah that's one way to do it you could give like unlimited access to snowlands or you could seed packs with snowlands I considered doing snow for my one mana cube, which, you know, it's funny because like one mana is already quite the restriction, but a lot of the cards that either like are snow or care about snow are one mana. So it was like, I think it was fairly close to being viable, but I wouldn't recommend trying to make one mana uh, snow work even with another set. But I do think with one more set, like Jakob said, you could make like a Broader snow theme work.
1: Astrolabe is probably one of my favorite cards for Commander 2, randomly. Like, I really like the way that the original snow basics look. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think Astrolabe's my favorite card because Urza's my favorite uh, Commander card. It's not my favorite card in general, it's just my favorite Commander card. I, I, I don't really know how to reconcile why Urza's not in here, but I guess it would maybe be like 12th. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like playing these four-color decks and everything. I don't know. Astrolabe's great. It makes your mana base like for real life play, it makes your mana base much more affordable. You don't really have to feel bad about dual Lance. I know it's one card, but, you know, like every every card that makes it so like commanders more affordable is pretty nice cuz I don't even re- I don't even really like high powered decks. So, I kind of feel okay if about catering to uh budget needs. Um, okay. So, I'll save I'll save the the coolest card for the last one. Okay, so Snapcaster Mage is also definitely in my spellbook. Th- this one's been on there forever because I I think Snapcaster's just on there because I I won a lot with Snapcaster in Modern and Standard and every for some reason it really I, I really just understood the gameplay like in Constructed like I would win a lot of matches by just playing it on turn two and then tempoing them out, which is kind of odd because Constructed is in in general the decks are built to deal with small creatures. It's just kind of like The formats like standard though there will be aggro decks so you have to deal with creatures and in modern obviously everything is one two three mana so things should be pretty efficient but for some reason i just really had this read on when to be able to make these really nice tempo lines
0: that's something that occurs more post typeboards so that like they're not set up anymore for aggressive starts
1: yeah, uh, I think in the past it was still, like, uh, game ones, too, because, like, you have Pestermites and Deceiver arcs when I would play Splendor Twin in Modern. I would play control decks, too, and potentially do that and try to, like, set up a line where I go attack with Snapcaster a few times, and then since your deck had so much lightning bolts and lightning helixes, you could win out of nowhere, which was kind of interesting. These decks are really phased out now, and Snapcaster is just a little too, for the most part, underpowered compared to Fire Design, which I think is kind of weird. It's most likely because they put a lot of their power in permanence and snap yep. so so they don't really power up spells as much anymore if fire design focused more on like cheap instance and stuff i think snapcaster would probably be more powerful in this day and age but we have things from modern horizons too where all your spells are free and creatures <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay so this i <laughs> I I don't don't think you guys would ever be able to guess this is on my list. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but this card is so cool, Golem Foundry. Do you know? Do you guys know what it does? Uh, Uh, I think artifact, right? Uh huh. Yeah, you are correct. Okay, I'll read this one.
0: And you would need to play three artifacts, and for each, gets a counter and remove three to get a three three something like that. Oh yes, yes,
1: yes. You you know exactly (laughs) what it does. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This this might be. Oh, I don't know. Huntmaster is my favorite card of all time, but Golem Foundry might be like number two. Yeah, I think I think this is just. So I really like artifacts. I love artifact based cubes. I love artifact based decks. Just artifact themes in general and regular draft sets. Uh, scar. I think Scar's block was really fun too. This <laughs> this card kind of married a bunch of different things. There was a decent proliferate in that format, but I think proliferate was kind of awful unless you had Thrumming Bird. So yeah. Yeah, so this this card kind of told you how you should build your deck, but it's kind, of, it's kind of weak. Because it's so weak, they allowed you to have this like kind of powerful effect where you could make 3-3 three, three golems at instant speed. I think that's pretty powerful, like just 3-3 three, three, three creatures at instant speed. The rest of the card's kind of weak. I don't know, the art's pretty sick. I always want to get this in chaos for some reason. I always want to just open Scars of mirrodin and get golem boundary. They just take mm-hmm. awful artifacts and make like two golems, maybe get one proliferate card from, uh, I think, one of the Modern master sets. They have like a little bit of proliferate in it and just kind of just do my thing i don't know this card really speaks to me it's it's just not powerful but i i don't know this is definitely my second favorite card of all time and because the art has like a nice uh it has like a nice color scheme like the the oranges and reds i don't know this card is just awesome (laughs) it sucks but it's really fun to draft around and if you make any golems you feel pretty good about yourself i think
0: yeah i think if we if we keep playing chaos draft, somewhere in pack one, you might have have a chance to pick it up because I think nobody else is taking it. <laughs> I'm
1: definitely wheeling that. I, I'm not going to take it pack one. I'm just I'm gonna 100% bank on it wheeling. And then if it doesn't wheel, I'll know that either Crackshot or Finite was just like I'm, you know, like It's <laughs> 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 just really hateful that day. Like I I did something wrong, and they're like, ah, oh, I need to I need to get back <laughs> at him in like yeah. a very non aggressive way
2: <laughs> yeah no i might add the uh the so, foundry to the artifact cube you know the opposite of hate drafting it away from you opa just uh <laughs>
0: anyway i like that idea
1: that was all eight pieces i gave you three extra pieces and maybe maybe yeah. even the 12th right I, yeah. I gave you urza too Urza's just like super sick you mentioned that's all i'll say <laughs> when you mentioned
2: urza and the um astrolabe at first, I was like, Do you mean the Saga or do you mean Urza? And then I was like, Oh, Saga can't get Astrolabe. So.
1: Oh my god, Urza Saga should be on my top eight. Oh god, I forgot that card existed. That card is so sick. I
2: think. All right, all right. JNQT also is a big Urza Saga fan.
0: Got yeah. another one out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, We alluded to it earlier. I would like to talk about a format you invented for us or we are still tinkering on. <laughs> Which is very related to the loot tree we had earlier. Do you want to describe what your initial idea was and then we can get to how how we played it and where it might develop? Sure, I'd love to.
1: Okay, so since we all play on MTGO, there's a lot of constraints, so it had to change and Finite had really good suggestions. But my initial idea was like, Okay, I love draft so much. Why don't why don't we just draft a commander deck on MTGO? We we would have to draft like hundred card decks because I think freeform does not allow for uh, smaller than hundred card commander decks, and yeah. there's also the problem of just finding the right legendaries in in your pool of cards to draft to make a deck. So you you need like I don't know like 60 playables, but you'll because of commander identity and the constraints of MTGO, we couldn't get rid of the uh, commander the the color rule that that commander has. So <laughs> it, it would it would take a lot of things for like four people to draft commander decks. That follow a specific color identity within like the constraints that we had. Even though I really wanted to do like a hundred card draft, like Mm -hmm. I I wanted to just draft 100 cards and 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 just see how that combines to a deck. But yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
2: the kind of thing that would have been solved super easily in paper. But one of the other problems we ran into is the issue of duplicates. Which you know, Commander Legends, if you draft if you draft duplicates, there's no penalty. But on Magic Online. You cannot enter, like, some kind of commander event with more than one copy of a card in your deck unless the card explicitly says otherwise.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting that you can play Commander Legends on MTGO when it's there, but you cannot play it casually, like, in a direct challenge or whatever. It's a bit weird and We are getting a
2: new uh, Commander but, Legends yeah. set, though. So while this format is a lot of fun, that's something to think about eventually. But back to this format. Um, Crackshot, what was your next question?
0: Yeah. I was was just about to say that you really hooked me by having it basically be a Chaos Draft. It's still like the constraints of multiplayer with an additional card as your commander, but the decks would feel so very, very, very different from what a like real commander game would feel like. And I really wanted to experience that, and we had a very good time. But yeah, as you said, we had to do some changes. How many sets did we draft how many packs
2: uh i think we ended up doing four packs right of like 15 cards each and then it was pioneer chaos right yeah i think so and yeah we ended up not thinking about legendary creatures at all really uh and instead we opted for companions which you know companion even the name is supposed to sound like commander it hangs out in like a weirdly similar kind of place, uh, except, you know, one of them is like the scourge of constructed formats everywhere. And one of them is like Magic's most popular, very, very casual format, but also very competitive depending on, you know, what your playgroup looks like. So yeah, we ended up on Companions, which, Opa, I think you're a big fan of those in Limited, right? Like, I think you've mentioned before that Companions are like a super fun thing to draft around.
1: Yeah, I do think companions are really fun. I mean, there's always the problem of Laris because it's kind of busted, but in this format it wasn't busted, which was pretty nice, but in, in like a specific cube maybe. But it, in like a regular draft set, Ikoria was fantastic. Obviously Cycling maybe overshadowed it in people's eyes, but I think companion decks were kind of more powerful once that format shook, once that format shook out a little bit, and it was just way more interesting. Barling said one time in Ham's chat that like, I don't know, like, maybe 50%, I don't know, maybe it was 30 to 50% of his decks were companion decks. And that, that was like a lot of his trophies too. Wow.
0: <laughs> that was nice when you get the... Yeah, and the way we did it in our draft was that we just said, after the draft, you can choose your companion from all of the 10.
2: Well, you guys chose one. <laughs> My pack one pick one was also a, <laughs> a companion <laughs> because it was Pioneer Chaos. So I was I was more likely to get there. And then I ended up on like
0: <laughs> You're pretty unlikely.
2: Oh yeah. It was, I mean, uh, not to mention like pack one, pick one. Like what if I opened it like the fourth pack or something like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, but yeah, so it was the, the three of us. And then Wombat also joined us. Wombat is in compatible Wombat, the previous guest, on this podcast and yeah, we just we had a blast. There's a clip from that from my stream, which hopefully we can link for you guys because it was a really <laughs> it was a really like for everyone else a climactic turn. For me a pretty anticlimactic turn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. So I was playing with Lurus, Opa was playing with Lutri, Finite was playing with Obosh, or was Obosh the card you had in the main deck?
2: No, I, it was with Obashia yeah. And then the pack one pick one
1: was Karuga. Wombat was on Karuga.
0: <laughs> that one turn was... Finite was bullying everybody on the table for a while <laughs> because he just had good creatures. And I had a lot of do-nothing, but Lorus allows you to play some removal. And yeah, mid-attack, I just exiled the, the Obash and uh, everything fell apart for, <laughs> for Finite in that yeah. moment. It was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, that's the that's the moment where I realized why like the commander tax exists and why like if a commander is <laughs> removed, it's nice to be able to recast it because at that point I mean I was just out of gas. And obviously, like with Pioneer Chaos, your card quality's gonna be way worse than Commander, like you know, in Commander you can just have every card draw a card, but <laughs> kinda of like IPA actually. But yeah, in this in this format I was like hellbent <laughs> or I had like two lands in hand or something. Yeah. But, but- One of the fun things, too, I was going to mention is, you know, Opa was on Lutri, the card from his spellbook. And I was thinking before, oh, you know, that's not much of a restriction. But uh, when, as you put it, Crackshot, I was bullying everyone. I actually had two Sarah Angels in play. So the Lutri restriction is not totally irrelevant.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah, you would have had to take a big uh, power decrease to remove one of those Sarah Angels, huh? (laughs) (laughs) See, I I had to play Lutri because I had a bunch of uh, deal damage to each opponent's creature cards. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. That's how you then, in the end, like, cleaned up the board and then won. Well, just... no,
1: I won because I opened the sickest Mythic ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that also helped. But I think that <laughs> you playing what, some, something Wave, Sonic Wave, no. It was it was Cosmotronic
1: Wave, for sure. Cosmotronic Wave, yeah. yeah.
0: Dealing one to everything, copying that, which cleaned my board because I only had shitters. Yeah, Wombat's
1: was big, I
0: think. Wombat's deck was big. But he he had been taking a lot of damage from you earlier. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I yeah. really dealt you and Wombat a lot of damage, and then you know I dealt like almost none to Opa, who was totally happy about that. And fine. oh, th- th-
1: this was just the classic game of one person with a powerful deck. Like I definitely had a powerful deck, but you guys didn't know that because I wasn't playing lands for quite a few turns. So you guys were just kind of attacking each other, and I was like, "Huh? If I ever draw out of this, I'm just gonna win." But you know, maybe you know,
0: maybe I just don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. i mean my my game plan was from the beginning very bad because uh, i basically had stuff to protect Loras, and then a lot of like creature based ramp or i don't know like i had a, a sakura tribe elder and i had uh, uh what is this Sprig elemental no what is it called
2: <laughs> let me find from it Passport. i play way too we many
1: the that... Crackshot's deck was kind of a kind of ridiculous because he 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 did have Luris, but I didn't think he had any of the like any powerful like creature making spells. Like he didn't have something yeah. that can make like large tokens. Mm. So I think your win con was realistically a bunch of people kill each other and then you millstone one person.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I had a millstone and yeah, I had stuff to mill myself and then find in a cast of Luris. I had a bunch of stuff to protect Luris. But oh, Finite got me back. <laughs> because I spent a bunch of my protection stuff, still having two in hand. But I don't know which way you... Th- I think you exiled also my creature.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that's fair, right? In exile, yeah, exile it is. you exiled my Obash, so...
0: The, the thing is that I used a protection spell, like giving protection or hexproof, I used earlier. And I still had something in hand, which if it died, it would have returned it. Or I could have gotten it back from the graveyard also, reanimated. it but yeah i I spent the wrong ones of my protector spells early and yeah really that that ended the game for me basically <laughs> not that i think i would have had any way to actually win but i would have stayed in that game for a while
2: oh i mean for sure like when your companion leaves and it's gone for good it's like well now what <laughs> like even if <laughs> even if you have good cards in play yeah it's just tough
1: Maybe next time we should do IPA because IPA has all these crazy, ridiculous top end cards. That's true. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and like I said, every card does draw a card. It's really, really hard to run out of gas in that format if your deck is built a certain
1: way. Uh, Yeah, IPA uh, companion draft. So then, like, uh, someone can have the Obosh five color uh, Legacy Weapon deck. Oh god! (laughs) I did talk Crackshot into
2: drafting a Legacy Weapon this season. But maybe. Yeah, I did want that. (laughs) Is there?
0: But that was not the reason of the deck, the deck was good. I just didn't draw very well. And I mean opponents also have good decks for
2: sure. I mean that was a pretty sharky format. Anything else we want to say on the companion topic, or do we want to move on to vintage cube and like, use Lurk well, as our segue?
0: As as a yeah, as you just alluded to, like moving on to Vintage Cube is just the next companion for my opinion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, we did find out that a specific cat is exceptionally powerful in vintage cube this time around.
0: <laughs> yeah they have reworked quite a bit in the vintage cube and i think a lot of people were quite happy with it there was a like little questionnaire on twitter about what people liked and what they disliked and there was a lot of thing things people liked Mm -hmm. and i felt like this time it spawned a few new archetypes which didn't happen for a while and i feel like these were the lens deck the most prominent one did any of you play that
1: I actually played the land Deck quite a few times in single limbs. I guess like uh, going in on dark depths is, is probably a very risky strategy in that type of format where you're guaranteed yeah. to play against like one white player and definitely like one heavy blue player, <laughs> which are pretty mm-hmm. good against dark depths. There's like brazen yeah. borrowers, swords to plowshares, and there's always just the looming krakus. Like how do you beat krakus if someone has krakus and your plan is like too heavily focused on making the twenty twenty?
0: Yeah, I guess in single LM, the answer to that is you take the Caracas, right? <laughs> that is true.
1: You won't have to face a Caracas three rounds in a row like you did in a league, which has happened to me, and then I didn't win any matches with my Lance deck.
0: <laughs> oh that's so brutal. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. I actually drafted Thespian Stage and uh, Vampire Hex Mage, Dark Devs pretty pretty regularly. I think people uh, were probably like a little not keen on it in the beginning. Uh, or or maybe even deeper into Vintage Cube. I, I did more leagues than regular in this format. Usually, I'll do three leagues, get kind of bad, and then uh, quit. But this time, I probably played like twenty.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess I played also like ten, fifteen-ish, something like that. Wait, you had
2: like at least ten trophies? Did I? Oh. <laughs> Crack shot?
1: <laughs> you had it?
0: went 10. well. <laughs> it also went well. I had I had I did a lot of trophies and not that many rounds. Wait, I'm you my... had
1: a lot of cat decks too, though, and cat decks yes. are, like, I don't know, 80% the trophy.
0: Yes, it, that's <laughs> it, exactly. That's what I did. Yeah, but you're, <laughs> you did, like,
1: 10 drafts, and you had, like, at
2: least that many trophies. It's like, hmm. Um, it is possible. I, I, like I had
0: 15 drafts or something. I, I didn't, like, only, only win, but I had at least two, three trophy in a row, two times three trophy in a row in there somewhere.
2: Well, I'm going to foreshadow a little bit and also I don't know, brag on your behalf and say that I believe, I don't know if you peaked higher than this, but the transition of Vintage Cube to IPA, you got to 1987 rating, which is like completely yes, absurd for, either. you know, not playing competitive events like PTQs. Like, like getting your rating to swing that high off of the alt play events is like unheard of almost. Like,
0: <laughs> it was really nice to 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 watch the rating, though, and really try to push it higher, but... Uh, oh. <laughs>
1: You have my personal best beat, which is pretty nice. Yeah, By really? quite a bit, yeah. mine is like nineteen. It, well, it might be eighty-seven, which would you would still beat because it's it's either nineteen seventy-eight or eighty-seven. I, I can't remember because those numbers are pretty similar. If you're at nineteen
2: eighty-seven, yeah. then you guys are tied, if I'm not mistaken.
1: <laughs> um,
0: is it is it possible that the jump start doesn't affect the rating?
1: Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't touch the rating at all because uh, I uh, I'm not that good at that format.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just. Because we played to, well, let's talk about the, the jumpstart later. Yeah. But I thought it would have affected my rating quite a bit. But actually, it's still pretty. So I still can make a run for it. I'm at 1982 currently. Jeez. And I really want to push the 2000. Yeah, I would love, love to that. see that. Well, enough bragging. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were um, at, the, at the new, talking about the new archetypes. I think the the second one is much more narrow because it's mostly built on one card and it's quite similar to the Wildfire decks of old which is Jok- the Haupts deck. I love that card. I think it's just so fun that it destroys so many things but a few things are allowed to stay and I tried to draft around it in the, at the very beginning but it didn't go too well. I think I just barely squeaked out 2-1 but should have gone 1-2. and two. But yeah, I just it's a cool card and My last trophy in the format, I played the Lyrus deck against a really, really good and cool, well-built Oracle Haupts deck, and I just very, very narrowly beat them to the trophy. And I wouldn't have been mad at all if I lost that, because that deck was absolutely beautiful. It was blue-red, with the good all the good Planeswalkers, and uh, like, stuff to keep the stuff, like the, the, the game in check to get to that point. Like, Counter Magic to yeah, it it had it it basically had it all for the for the synergy with the Yokul Helps.
1: Could you describe some of your Jokul helps decks? Because I actually never did any and I, I I can't think of like enchantments that are pretty good. I know planeswalkers are like it, it seems like a pretty heavy planeswalker deck, but there's probably like a, de- uh, a decent amount of ways to construct it, and I, I actually don't know what they look like.
0: Yeah, so I think planeswalkers are the the main thing. But uh, I paired it with green uh for for threat Task, which <laughs> leave something behind and yeah it's not all too much you can you can do there but i mean if you can like still play a land after that and then start to have cheap spells as well then it's also like like can make an impression of, of an upheaval in that way so i think cheap spells are also still very good with it.
2: something like Bitter okay awesome seems like a nice card to
1: run with it Ooh, that oh, yeah. is a good like uh you know you, you'll you'll continually spit out resources but no one has anything right
0: yeah, that's great. I have not seen that though. No, me and, neither.
2: It's also relatively cheap to, to cast it after your lands are blown up if you didn't get it down first.
0: What I also try to do is just have the Sephuric vortex um with it, but I think that's more of a pipe dream.
1: <laughs> oh, you know what I really miss? I don't I I think I think a Johnny Vengeant has been gone from Vintage Keep for a while, but man, if they put yeah. Jokel Hobbs back in, I'd be pretty happy to have a Johnny Vengeant back in. I don't mm. know why. I always thought that card was pretty nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's always played decently well. But it it doesn't really work all too well with what Red White is mostly trying to do. So the showdown of the skulls, I think, is much better in the red white deck, for example.
1: Yeah. Mm, that's also an enchantment that doesn't get destroyed by jokel helps. Just saying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I guess another thing that yeah, you guys talked about a little bit, but I imagine we're gonna talk about more here is the Luris decks. So I played basically no vintage cube, as you know, I almost always do. But I railed quite a bit with each of you to Watch some Luris decks and to draft them as well and and these decks are so so sweet like it really really feels like you're going against the grain like you're drafting a deck that uh, basically like no one else is doing like most of the time it seems like these decks end up mardu but um, you could definitely end up with some other color combinations too it's also very difficult to make these decks like only like one or two colors it seems like they're usually three plus colors yeah and yeah, just some really, really sweet decks that turn cards that you know other people think are bad uh into like some of the best cards. So like for instance, uh Jakob, you mentioned the tweet about like the feedback for the season of Vintage Cube. I remember LSB replying saying something like a retrofitter foundry wasn't very good, pack rat, bloodgas, those cards were not very exciting. He didn't mention Enclave shade, but I imagine that um that yeah. would have been on there as well. And all of those cards are just great in the Luris decks because I mean you get like a skull clamp or whatever and you know you just did it or your Goblin Bombardment
0: Goblin Bombardment I think would have been the big one to mention as cards nobody else plays that were actually then super good in the Luris deck
2: sure it's
1: interesting I don't know if you guys ever got to but I actually had like two Abzan uh two Abzan Luris decks so those cards ended up being pretty good like with Fano Shaman Mm -hmm. like Fauna Shaman's a card that nobody really wants to play but kind of works out perfectly for Luris yeah, that's awesome i
0: think i think i played Abson once and i was really close to taking a survival of the fittest but then i somehow took something else probably i took fixing because that's what i always did when i'm not sure about if a card is great or not i just take the fixing
1: one thing that's kind of interesting about learn is the shell is so efficient and the cards are very easy to pick up that you specifically want that you can kind of force it. I mean you'll miss you'll miss Luris sometimes. Like if you just if you just don't get Lurus in the draft, you end up with this kind of weird uh aggro deck. Yeah. But it but I ended up trophying once with that and then like two winning, like every other time I forced Lurus, and then just didn't get Lurus.
0: Yeah. Loris less Lorus is not the worst.
2: <laughs> right. And um this is something that I've heard like Derek talk about a lot. And I think Crackshot, you put this in our show notes too, which is like Luris incentivizes you to do something that's already good filling your deck with cheap yep. spells is just good so getting a payoff for doing that is great uh, and there's not a huge cost to it in vintage cube it's definitely a higher cost than it is in constructed whereas like in constructed uh, like specifically in modern or something you know it lurus was practically like a deck building guide right it's just like this is how your deck should look also there should be a Luris your sideboard yeah and for vintage cube it is tougher you do have to scrape for playables sometimes it can be tough to make the fixing work but yeah there are just there are some cards that you know they're okay in some other decks i'm pretty skeptical like i think lsv is right to put something like specifically like Bloodgast, but also maybe something like skyclave shade on the questionable list if they're there to support like the black aggressive deck which that was supposed to be a thing i don't know if you guys ran into that at all but, like, specifically no. in the Lurus shell, those cards are just quite nice, I think.
0: Yeah, so you, you said something there that reminded me of why I love drafting Lurus so much, that it's hard with the fixing and to make playables. And I think that's also probably why Ben likes this deck so much, because it really always is very close in the end whether you will make enough playables, because you also very likely are many colors, because so many cards are just forbidden, that it's very 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 often that i have one or zero cards in the end in my sideboard that <laughs> i could play like i once had to go i just have to go to 18 lands
1: oh yeah i played i played a few 19 landers but you, you get you get some value too you could get like Volras stronghold which is really nice with Dolores, and like you yeah know, you could you could play rishnan port if you have to they actually made this problem a little bit nicer for for this specific deck in this format, because uh the addition of the sack lands, So now some mm-hmm. of your lands will cantrip where previously they yeah. wouldn't. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's that's a good point. I also included those a lot in those decks. And people don't take them very highly somehow, the sack lands.
1: Yeah, I don't know how to evaluate them. I think they're pretty good for the cube, but some people I said were like, oh, you don't really need this. <laughs> so, by the way, I do think uh, LSV is not right about a lot of those cards that are cheap and don't really fit into things. Probably because he's playing the league format. Uh, maybe, maybe you know. I guess there's not that many people that play single limb, but with with, with the advent of the the mocks adopting vintage cube like a decent amount of the time for their draft formats, I do think having those is kind of nice for the cube because in your eight ma- in your eight person pod, you'll have to get creative. And some of the better players that I know have really high win rates in this in this specific non-league format of Vintage Cube, we'll end up drafting decks like Mono Black Aggro, mo- Black Red Aggro, things like that. And those cards really shine. I, Luris taught me one really big thing about this cube, which I should have known previously because Mono White was so powerful, but having a low curve, having a consistent aggression, and actually having a lot of Creature or just permanent interaction, you know, stuff like Fatal yeah. Bush, Lightning Bolt, Unholy Heat. Those are a lot more powerful than you think. And yeah, there's all this flashy top end stuff, but a really consistent aggro deck with good, um, cheap interaction is just very powerful in the cube and will just kind of beat a lot of the powerful things pretty often like if you have swords to plowshares you're beating tinker on like powerful things you're beating Reanimator unless they have grizzle brand a decent amount of the time these cards they don't look powerful and they're not flashy but they really do have a spot in the cube in my opinion or at least in the more competitive or if you're trying to compete in the format or just play it in the pod format i think
0: I should really try to play some some of those pots. I, I never do, I just completely forget that this exists. Yeah, But I should try that. It would also be It's a bit idea. more of a time commitment, though.
1: Oh, one more thing. Retrofitter Foundry is kind of sick, because yeah. I played yeah. in a lot of decks, and there's not really any mana sinks in the set that I can think of, but Retrofitter is like the best card in the whole cube for using your mana every turn, always. And having really tricky combats, right?
0: Yeah, it just, it looked unexciting for like two turns, but then suddenly...
1: Yeah, I don't know if you've lived the dream, but you can also do channel retrofitter foundry, which is like the dumbest thing ever. But you you spend spe- you like a lot of life, but it, ultimately it's two mana for a bunch of 4-4s. Four th- th- it's one of the silliest things, but I have seen it like win a game. so <laughs>
0: It's cool. I I really hate channel myself. Every time I play with it, it doesn't do anything. It's just always dead. But it's a sweet thing to do with it, I have to say. It's
2: funny because I think the average person, you know, they put channel in their deck and they remember when it's good and they don't think about when it's dead. So it's really funny to hear kind of the opposite experience.
1: Yeah, channel's awful.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I think Foundry, that is a card that I think most people were upset about LSD calling bad. And I think a lot of people who do play the leagues or even grind the leagues have a lot of respect for that card. It's also, it's one of the few cards that is... Technically, a candidate for my artifact cube and for my one mana cube, and it's banned from both of them because no, <laughs> that's just too much. It's like free to put into any deck, it's way too powerful. It uses the mana too efficiently.
1: Oh, I, I will say Urza Saga is like a pretty first pickable card. And if you're like, you know, you can curate your your draft experience tier to your, to your on whims. And there are people that really like to draft combo decks, but combo decks have a pretty decent fail rate. But if you have Urza Saga in a combo deck, or maybe Urza Saga, in an artifact deck that kind of doesn't get there. <laughs> Urza's Saga into Retrofitter Foundry is like kind of one of the most brutal things. And, oh, and yeah. just like, it gives you a completely different access. Like I had that in a storm deck that was pretty failed, but I actually won like almost all of my matches by Urza's Saga, make two tokens, Retro Foundry, and just beat with those two big things because it's it's such a low deck building cost, but it's really powerful, I'd say. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, one thing that I want to finish off with uh, talking about Lurus is why it is so still so clear in my memory and why I loved it so much is this tension. And then two times, somehow, I found myself in the position of forcing Lurus, opening it in pack three together with the Mox, and then deciding to take the mocks in the hopes of wheeling Lurus and both times actually getting there. Oh and wow. It's so good.
1: <laughs> Do you think that's the correct play? No. <laughs> I okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: but... I don't know. That's a tough one because like how much is it really doing for everyone else, right? Like the average person is not forcing Lurisless Luris. So they're not going to be taking it that highly, right? But I think... <laughs> maybe they have some stuff that incidentally works with it, some like animate dads or whatever.
0: Yeah. I think the most likely is that if the peg is not having, not having any other mono white cards, that that would be where it ends up.
2: Yeah, I've never gotten a Lurus in a mono white deck, but it does seem, it seems reasonable, respectable. Yeah, um, it depends
0: on the build you have, obviously. But...
2: Now Opa has me really curious about the single limbs because I don't know, the league format, I was curious about entering maybe like one of Alpha Frog's competitive, like vintage cube events. And I was thinking, well, like, I always just play mono white. I probably still could in an event like that but it would be noticeably weaker in a pod where other people know that it's good so i guess if i did want to try to figure out how to succeed in that kind of event you know grinding like single limbs would be the way to do it not that i expect uh, to go that route but if i if i do find myself bored during a vintage cube season i'll i'll Give one of those a try. I think
1: I would like to see you get into one of those, in, into a specific tournament. That that tournament series is pretty nice. I think people really like to play uh vintage cube competitively, or maybe just draft in general. Because people, I've learned throughout the the year that people will just set up their own tournaments like whenever. Like we obviously do our chaos drafts, but people on Arena will do a lot of tournaments on their own. I'm c- kind of yeah. thinking that we should we should try to set up some tournaments with some prizes, maybe someday. Maybe like bring some people in, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Seems like a I good don't... time. I don't mind. I, I was lucky enough to collect some treasure chests. I could could put in there.
1: Yeah, I got chests. I got I got tickets too. You know. Yeah, that would be nice. But not, I don't think any of us are ever going moto broke. So.
0: <laughs> no, that's not, not bad. yet. But I mean, Max is always buying all the the chaos draft decks. He's uh he's playing. He's he's always like hoarding these these draft chefs And if, if he's doing that four times a week, I don't know. Maybe he will go broke at some point he's not playing anything else
2: i think i dipped below 1200 tickets so (laughs) but the thing is like i don't grind anything anymore so like for opa i know he's like grinded so many times and like sold tickets and stuff so many times for me it's just like well you know a few years ago when i was in college i wanted to see like how well i could do if i just played a bunch of friendly sealed and now suddenly i don't have to worry about spending money to play (laughs) magic online anymore so yeah Uh, what was i gonna say yeah do we want to talk about ipa at all or
0: yeah i would love that that was the thing that came next and yeah ipa i played quite a bit i don't know how 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 many did i play i know you got
2: you were like on the front page for trophies this time so you were you were at like seven or so i think
0: i think i was at seven yeah i can i guess i can count (laughs) so it's maybe i maybe 10 or 11 maybe i miscounted 10 or 11 of those queues are played and yeah It's fun. Like, going in, I didn't know all too much. I knew that the blue creatures that tap for changing the land types are very good. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the fixing is bad. Mm -hmm. And I was very quickly told, I didn't know that when I went in, that playing 18 or 19 lands is the way to go and drawing first. But I didn't know that in my first uh, run. And also, I knew the cards from... Uh, plane shift very well because in 2010 i traveled to japan and i was at least as obsessed with magic then as i am today so i went always when i went through random shops i mean it was tourists walking around looking at shops looking at sightseeing stuff like that Mm -hmm. Uh, i always looked if they had some magic around to buy some foreign boosters i thought it's always nice and then in a random mall that was attached to a train station somewhere in Japan, I believe it was in Kyoto, but I'm not 100% on that anymore, I found uh, on display some plane shift boosters. There was like one box, open box of plane shift boosters, and they were, I think, 110 yen each. So that's one euro and ten, so I don't know, I guess a, a dollar and thirty or something like that. Gotcha. So that's not a lot. I mean, it's a very was already a very old set at that point. So I asked them if they have a whole display still. And they went to the back and came back. And I bought a whole display of Planeshift for, I don't know, like $40, 40 euro, something <laughs> like that. Cool. And drafted that with my friends back at home, which was a real pain. Because, I mean, it's Japanese boosters of a very old set nobody has ever played. Three times small set. Also, we only were four players. <laughs> And we had like a printed sheet with all the numbers, like the whole, like the whole spoiler printed out, and you always looked up the the collector number and then read up what the card did.
2: <laughs> Perfect.
0: It was something else, but yeah, so I knew the cards from the second set very well.
2: Gotcha. So you were very familiar with the Flame tank Kabus of the world then.
0: The Flame Kabus and the what are they called? The Battle Mages? Ah, uh, yeah. Oh,
1: the Battle Mages are sick. Yeah. Yeah, that's super sick.
2: Yeah, those cards are messed up. I had an opportunity, sadly, to pick up, like, two Battle Mages. But in the first pack, I did not take the, like, Bant Apprentice, which would allow me to put them back on top of my library and then just, like, replay them every turn. But it was still a pretty good deck.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like, just play triple the small set. Just If you get one of the Battle Mages and enough gating creatures like the ones where you have to bounce a creature of, of that their color, then you really are doing it.
2: For sure. The gating creatures are really sick because, I mean, it's like a weird ability. It's not really something you see these days and it looks like a drawback. And for the most part, I would say it is, but there is some enchantment-based removal in the set. And of, of course, there are plenty of ETPs that you can reset the gating creatures. But the most important thing about the gating creatures is that they're really overstated. The creatures in this format are incredibly tiny. Like, 5-mana 3-3 three, three is, like, the going rate. 4-mana 2-2 two, two flyer. <laughs> so, yeah. This format, like, creatures are definitely an important part of it, but, like, the spells are really where you get a lot of the power. And then, you know, even more powerful than the spells would be the creatures that act like spells. So, like, Battle Mages, Flame Tonkavus. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah. I think those... Creatures with spells attached, even if it is a relentless red, <laughs> they are among the most important cards in your decks mm-hmm. at the end.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: They will define your game plan and like there's like very good unearth variants. What is it? Two in a black, return one to your hand, draw a card. Mm, yeah, yeah. Four in a black, return two, you draw do a have card. Cover and cover the in there. One. For
2: sure. Yeah. I don't think I got to draft any Urborg uprisings this season, which is sad, but I got at least one recover. Yeah. I didn't end up on the front page like Crackshot did. I started off pretty well in this format. I think I was like 12 and three after like five drafts or something, but then the wheels fall off a little bit for me and I got stuck in like 2-1 purgatory, which, you know, I really shouldn't complain that much about, but this format can be really, really frustrating the losses that are constructed in yes. this format like they don't really do <laughs> they don't make magic like this anymore and it's probably specifically to avoid this kind of frustration the, the kind of games where you feel like okay literally nothing I can do matters like I have no cards in my library that are active draws if I add something to the board it will get killed I, like, I can't <laughs> I can't do anything <laughs> there aren't too many situations yeah. in like the fire era of magic where you're like locked out to such an extent that like you just want to concede
0: <laughs> <laughs> locking out people is really a thing here oh, yeah. and i don't remember any other limited format where that no. is thing. just having one of those battle mages that put something back on top and one of the oppressively good mm-hmm. cut to play ability yeah. creatures that is like you can literally destroy all lands and bounce all permanents <laughs> by just combining two cards: the correct Battle Mage and the correct Guild Mage, and you completely, completely locked them out of the game. Oh, is it that black one
1: that uh you can pay one blue to put something on top of your library? Yeah, if yeah. you have the the, the, night-scape oh,
2: and and the Nightscape Battle Mage, then then you did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but only.
1: <laughs> How do you guys feel about the board complexity of this format? Is it too high? Or I don't think it's that high. Like okay, I don't. don't...
2: Remember making any yeah. misplays. I don't think I, I, don't think, think I made any misplays to this. I think
0: there's a lot of onboard yeah. tricks, but you very quickly realize that once there is any onboard tricks, you can just never attack.
1: <laughs> just... Oh
0: that that's what I was thinking
1: <laughs> in my games. I was like, man, every game gets to a point where I can never attack again unless I have one
0: flyer. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. It's just completely locked. It's not like you get like, bad attacks or you might miss something, you can just yep. not attack. It just completely stores out. Like, yeah,
1: of... I, I I, wanted to understand the value of combat tricks, but then, like, the more I thought about it, I was like, can you even use leverage yep. combat
0: tricks no. to
1: get ahead ever? It doesn't no. seem so. Yeah.
0: No, it's playing... it would need to be a very specific board, and then you just get like Yeah, gilded. exactly. Like, if you're, if you're <laughs> playing a
1: spell
2: that targets a creature, it can't be something that, like amplifies it it has to be some kind of removal spell or something like that yeah
1: oh finite do you remember you you did actually have one one combat trick moment in this set and i, I distinctly remember it because you like attacked all and then you had this like red white x spell that redirects oh. damage and i don't exactly remember it but that was probably like the only time in this one i was like oh wow you kind of got like a cool combat trick moment. yeah yeah I
0: maneuver, yeah I think.
2: oh so that you saw the you saw the this good one good i had a couple bad moments with that card. <laughs> So, yeah that one i if i remember correctly i didn't need that card to win i had like a different win on the board at the time but yeah captain's maneuver yeah that card i mean it's basically it's like your i don't know do you want to call it core chant but it's it's like way way dirtier like it you turn your your opponent's damage usually usually your opponent's damage into damage wherever you want it, whether it's to their face, to one of their creatures. You can also turn damage from one of your creatures to like damage into their face, for instance, if you're just looking to kill them. Or damage that would be dealt to your face, you can deal to them. Like the card really incentivizes attacking all if you have a ton of lands in play, which you will in this format. It's a sweet card too. Like it's a it's a strong, strong card. There are times where <laughs> like if your opponent knows about it, and I don't know, let's say you're at like nine life and they're at 10 life and then they like attack you with exactly nine power and then you can't captains maneuver for lethal because they left back their one one because they (laughs) they know what you're holding stuff like that really hurts but agree that's like the closest you can really get to a combat trick but it a lot of the time is removal
0: yeah so these type of effects, like the ball stalling out and the good insta- instant speed interaction and little like combo tricks and bad creatures, that all leads to a very controlling format, yeah. which already is something, I think, that made it quite refreshing for me and why I played it so much. Additionally to also just somehow grogging it and winning. It also... But it just feels very, 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 very different to like what we are normally uh, used to. I
2: would also argue that I mean, yes, it's very controlling, like you said, but it's one of the more combo-oriented formats, too. Like, the fact that you're looking for these, like, A plus B combos, like, whether it's, you know, something that returns a creature to your hand or puts it on top of your library with, like, a really good ET um, or maybe if you're 2-play, yeah. if you're looking for something that changes the color of a creature, and then if you're able to change the color of a creature, well, you have cards that can punish certain colors of creatures, so... You know, maybe you have the 3-mana uh, 2-2 two, two in red that can tap, pay a red, deal 2 damage to a blue creature. Or maybe you have you know, one of the Acolytes that gives you know, protection from either red or black, depending
0: on which one it is. Or you can suddenly cast your Dead Riggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: for sure. Which is normally very hard to You can to also cast. counter uh, a Dead ringers, <laughs> stuff like that.
0: So yeah, yeah. Uh, One question, Max. Is Dead Riggers, is it harder to cast or harder to read? Um I don't know I what would, that card does. I would say <laughs> I will read it to you and then you will explain yeah, it to me. Okay? I would
2: say cast personally. I I'm in the extreme minority and I don't know, maybe this is like arrogant or something of me, but I feel like personally it's not super hard to understand.
0: <laughs> I think for me it's very hard, but okay, Ben, I'll I'm read I'm like,
2: to you now. I'm an English Destroyed? as a first languager, right? Native English speaker. Yeah, okay. As I say
1: that in a non native English way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, Ben, are you ready?
1: Yeah, well, I know what it does because I've seen Finite play it, but, like, I don't know personally, like, I look at him, like, I don't know how to use this card.
0: Yeah, destroy <laughs> two target non-black creatures unless either one is a color, the other isn't. I oh can't so much
2: i hate so this for wording. me like one of the things that really okay. helps with this card is the fact that the name kind of hints at what it does so like dead ringers you know it's like a doppelganger something that looks just like something else like that's the idea right so then yeah when you think okay. about it from that kind of lens you're able to understand well you know the creatures have to be alike and that means
0: they have to be basically exactly the same colors well
2: or lack of colors, right? Because you can target two colorless yeah. creatures too, which is the part that people, yes. yeah,
0: it's really... But that doesn't really come up in the format.
2: No, not in this format. Uh, yeah, there are very few like artifact creatures, really. I, I think I drafted artifact creatures a bunch of times and like never resolved one. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is like they have to share all colors or they have to both be colorless. And then additionally, because it's black and you know, this is what the color pie was like back then, you can't target things that are black.
0: But this makes it like really restrictive because, like, if your opponent has a blue-white gold creature, a blue creature, and a white creature, you cannot destroy anything. You cannot you can cast it? Yeah. but it will not do anything. Yeah, which is it's, even it's more harsh. Sure, it's a super Wait,
1: wait. So, so is this card good, by the way? Because I watched some other people streaming IP and they're like, "This card looks bad. I don't want to take it." And I got kind of. So
0: it is super powerful, but you often will face a matchup where you have to side it out and yeah or sometimes you even start it out and decide it in because like just a lot of people play four to five colors and you would have to wait so long for this to get played and then you can only destroy basically like you can be happy if you can destroy something but on the other hand like when you resolve it it's crazy good yeah so yeah
1: i i, I died to it a few
2: times for sure yeah and that definitely will happen it's fun to try to fizzle it but it doesn't always work yeah, so.
0: yeah and i had a, an interesting thing come up maybe maybe you remember um, max you i know you know it but right yeah. maybe this ben is
2: this is where like guess how it i works. feel like dead ringers is like easy to understand and then in this scenario it's like okay now i have no idea anymore <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so i had in play a penumbra Kavu, so it's a 3-3 that dies into another 3-3 and i had the green Volver. So it's also a mono-green creature, even though I had both kickers from two other colors cast, like blue and black. And my opponent cast this on the two creatures. And I had a bounce spell. So now is the question, what happens if there's only one creature left? Do you know?
1: Uh, I'm not very good with rules, so okay. I don't know. You
0: want to, want to have a guess?
1: I would assume, I don't know, I feel like it resolves, but...
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah. So it, like you bounce one, it resolves and destroys the other. I'm, I feel like the, the wording tells you that, but it's not. I wasn't 100% sure. So I quickly Googled it, found one answer that suggested the one thing and one answer that suggested the other. Classic. So I went with the more safe line, bounced my Volver and let the 3-3 three, three die. Otherwise, I would, have, like, I would have preferred to play it the other way around just to basically kill my opponent who swings, but it, it still resolves. <laughs> like half of it still works. Yeah, it's so
2: goofy. Like the fact that, you know, if you change the color, of one of the things like in response like that that should fizzle it right yeah. but but if you return one yeah. of them <laughs> nope that's fine <laughs>
0: um, so I wonder if that means that you can have a line with this where you target your opponent's thing and your thing and then you use your nightscape build mage of, to put yeah. your own creature on top of your library
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure I think that is if you didn't want to lose mm-hmm. your thing that's definitely a nice a nice workaround but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, Ben, about like whether it's good. Yeah, but
0: they wouldn't even have to have the same colors when you first cast it. Are we sure about that? You target your blue creature and they're red? I'm not sure. I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe but that will. one. Yeah,
2: once again, I'm just in the territory of having no idea. But I wanted to point out that JNQT said something on Twitter about this card, which is like, this is the epitome of a card that, you know, gets so much more value in Chaos Draft, which is just like the perfect way of understanding yeah. it, I feel like, because, you know, A lot of the cards in IPA are either like particularly strong or particularly weak because of how weirdly the format is set up with, you know, land counts being so high, people playing decks that are so many colors, etc. And so, yeah, if people are just playing like two color decks, it's much easier to resolve a Dead Ringers. And yeah, I mean, it's a really high pick in Chaos.
1: Okay, so the card is good, but maybe not. So it's not insane in IPA as a format, but since we play Chaos, if I see Dead Ringers, I would... Probably value it pretty highly. There, yes. uh, Dead Ringers is not the set of Flame and like some of the battle mages, right? Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's from Apocalypse. Yeah, this is the
0: third yeah. set.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't think you're fighting over as many like insane picks in Apocalypse, right? They're just gold cards.
0: Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of gold. Good gold cards. A lot of the monocolored cards
2: are horrible.
0: Yeah. That that leads me to to basically the next point I want to talk about, which is that this set is from an era where they designed sets to put tension on the player to make it hard on the player to make it hard to figure out what to do and the way that works in this format is that you draft basically an allied colored set another allied colored set and then the third pack rolls around and it's enemy color gotcha (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, yeah when
1: i was first drafting i was like man what is what is with pack three why is everything awful like what i (laughs) I i only did three drafts but like it, it never occurred to me that everything was uh, enemy colors in pack 3 I was like, man, pack 3 just sucks. I hate this set. I don't know what's... Yeah, I, I, I'm i not that observant sometimes. So, like, it's just, like, the pattern... Like, I guess I didn't play enough drafts to realize, but now that you guys are telling me that's enemy colors in the blast set, I was like, that makes sense why I just dreaded pack 3 in my, like, like, other two drafts. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah, I mean, that's
0: definitely... Yeah. Yeah. Totally,
2: like, even if you know how it works, like, that's how it ends up sometimes. Like, if you're, for instance, I had at least one draft yeah. where I was like, Okay, I'm super like set here to play blue white. I got like four good blue white cards in a row. Pack 1, pack 2. Okay, you know, I got fewer great blue white cards, but this is still fine. And then like, even before I open pack 3, it's like, well, shit. Like <laughs> there's nothing I can do. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: I guess that's the the weakness of the old draft system, right? Cuz I I don't know if you did I guess I guess people really did like the original Ravnica set, but I remember doing, I, I didn't draft that one, but I do remember drafting like Dragon's Maze, Gatecrash, and um, Return to Ravnica, and that was just infinitely frustrating for me.
0: It can lead to frustration, and I think that's also why they don't do it anymore, but it makes it very different. it It's refreshing now, going back to it and playing something that is so weirdly toxic, I guess. I'm <laughs> not <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, I could, I could, I could, uh, I could see that. I don't know. It's, it, I, I can see the merits of this set if you have a lot of nostalgia, but I didn't really play this. So when I played, it, I kind of just got mad. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean,
2: it's definitely like it's the kind of format that, for me, I think really needs like a primer or something to reduce frustration. And you know, I feel like someone like Tube Life would be capable of writing like a great primer about it too. I feel like.
1: Oh yeah, he did amazing this set, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, he did, and. Also, everything he wrote about it was also always nice and fun yeah. to read.
1: We should uh, we should save that because he wanted to do some IPA drafts in the Discord and like maybe we'll do another. Fl- I mean, they'll probably do another IPA flashback. They did one last year.
2: Hoping maybe we can get to a point where we have flashbacks regularly, but I'll have to. That'll be a later time once I figure out the role system because that would have to change. But yeah, Crackshot, I think you were going to transition to talking about the cube that you have been working on. Inspired by the tension. Yeah. yeah. So
0: yeah, I, like I think really this this tension in the in the deck building is very interesting. So like the way it plays out, we we talked about that the last set is enemy colored, but it works out in a way that you are drafting something and building something that is nice, and then in pack three everything gets turned on its head because suddenly you want to splash a new color and don't have fixing because fixing is very rare in this. And I really liked about this that it made the drafting very much not on rails. Because opening pack three, suddenly you really, really have to think about what you can, what you are allowed to do, what you can still do. Like, do you have to go into another color? Do you want to? Like, and that kept going with the further picks because, like, pretty good cards get passed relatively late if people are not in the correct colors for them. Sure. So, yeah, I wanted to emulate that in a cube draft by also having different packs in that cube draft because. I really like to have thematic decks, theme decks basically coming out of a draft, but one of the big things about that as a drawback is that it can lead to on-rail drafting. So my thought was, what if I fill pack one and maybe also pack two with a bunch of relatively weak cards that go into very many decks and then throw all the theme stuff and build around into the last pack and as a reward it's stronger than everything you get before. So you really need to, in the end, figure out which of these build-arounds can you support, because you really can't build around them anymore. You basically have to have some stuff already. Mm. And you yeah, like you have to figure out at that point, maybe with a timer, quickly of what is still possible. Is there anything you can do with this? So yeah. kind of
1: nice. That's, that seems like... A,
0: hmm, uh, I, I can't... I think it's also a little bit toxic, and could be an experiment that will just fail. <laughs> but i think it's worth trying it out
1: so you're saying you build like a pretty solid deck and then in the end if you wanna if you want power level you have to like make some choices yeah but they might not pan out too
0: yeah that's the question is that like two different cubes kind of (laughs) basically like it yes like there's cards that can only show up in pack one and cards that can only show up in pack three and i'm not sure of what i want to do in between Mm. but yeah like there's different types of build rounds that you can have then in the end like you could have something that is many colors and just powerful because of that or that rewards monocolor. or you can do like for i don't know artifact or spell synergies
1: oh so so you're saying like in pack 3 you'd have something like maybe goblin chain whirler is not like the strongest monocolor payoff but something like that that's like yep. triple red but like oh maybe like torbran or something like you just have this yep. like kind of average red deck or or like seven a percent red deck in in, in packs one and two and then in pack three you're like oh i see this tour brand maybe i can get this tour brand and maybe like oh i don't know some like another powerful triple red card you know
0: that's kind of cool or like gauntlet of might was something i was thinking of or random payoffs for tribes because with like the the most recent sets a lot of the cards fit in many molds like i don't know uh and epicure for example it's an ag- aggressive card. It's a vampire, which might matter. I think I might not make vampire matter, but just as an example. But it also produces an artifact, which could provide synergy. And it also provides a discard outlet, which can provide Ah, uh,
1: yes, you could put Oni Cult in the last pack and maybe some yeah. reanimation.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And some madness, maybe. And or something like um, what is it, Drake Haven. Whenever you discard or cycle a card, you can pay to create a 2-2 flyer stuff like that
1: okay so pack so 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 pack 3 would like be a really weird unbalanced cube on its own right it would just be like a ton of really powerful that this is kind of a cool draft i think because it's like pack one and two you're like i'm just you know i'm just trying to make my best you know like just like a pretty solid deck and then pack three i'm really hoping to just kind of slam dunk it with you know one of the like a couple of these really powerful cards
0: yeah yeah but so the thing is it has it has a few problems that come with it like being in pack three not being able to adjust anymore could be maybe too frustrating like passing the good cards feeling like nothing fits your shell another problem is that it really rewards people in the know or willing to do the legwork of looking at the cube list first i feel Um, like
2: that's not a huge problem necessarily because to some extent that's just like a learning curve right like if i play the draft you know and I get dumpstered because I'm playing against Crackshot and he designed the cube and he like knows what's going on well sure maybe that's not super fun but maybe by my second draft I kind of understand what's going on because I already had the experience of playing it the first time and then like the more I play it the more I like learn you know what the payoffs are and like what I'm supposed to do during the draft
0: yeah I think with us the generals that works but I think in general it's bad game design because people after one bad experience might not come back.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely the risk you take with something like this. I don't know. I really, I like the idea quite a bit. I don't know if I mentioned this the other day when you were reading, but yeah, just really flipping like how a draft works like on its head. I remember, you know, when Tublife showed up in chat, like the first thing he said was, well, you know, the build arounds are supposed to be in pack one. Like (laughs) what's going on here? Um, (laughs) And yeah. I feel like you really do prevent like railroading by structuring things the way, the way you have them. You do encourage that tension and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like a test of basically the player's ability to understand like opportunity costs. Like what are they giving up that they've already drafted for, you know, for what kind of potential, like how good is the build yeah. around? Is it worth it? Like I actually, a good example of this, I think would be um, one of my IPA drafts, I think don't remember which colors i was in god i might have been like blue something maybe yeah i think i was like blue white and then i somehow ended up like black red splash blue green <laughs> and i trophied <laughs> all because wow, like, okay yeah and i i took like a whatever the zombie lord was partway through pack two like lord of the undead or whatever and like that card mm-hmm. is the reason i wound up with that deck and trophyed. i was like well is a really good card like this seems better than everything i have going on even though i like the stuff that i have going on i'm just gonna ditch it and see where i end up so
0: <laughs> it feels the best when you are actually doing an audible and it works out yeah it's a rare experience but it's so good when it does happen.
1: i'm thinking about it one of the ways you can kind of like fix the feel bad situations is to have like pretty nice fixing somewhere in the first two packs yeah exactly kinda. yeah yeah uh, i think that's then- awesome you can just splash like powerful card I don't know if that uh I don't know if that see one of the problems with this though is that you said the pack three is supposed to be really powerful, so then your deck like a lot of the gameplay, like a lot of your <laughs> first two picks kinda like a lot yeah, a lot of your, your, your cards in your deck, like two thirds of your cards probably won't matter too much, and then the ones that do matter are like Yeah. You know, it it'll end up being like a, a weird bomby format kind of.
0: <laughs> it, yeah, that's true. That's what it will be. But I plan for the like that you can't just take any of the 15 in your pack 3 to make them work. Like, maybe one or two are really for you, and then others are a bit more of a stretch. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're going
1: to be pretty synergy-focused, right? Or just, like, the yeah, mana cost exactly. is going to be kind of restrictive? Yeah.
0: Either the mana cost or the other deck-building cost. Like, maybe I should put some Lurus in there or something like that.
1: <laughs> Ooh, and pack three. Oh, in pack 3? Oh, that's kind of great, actually, because... <laughs> Because Lurus in pack 3 is really, like, like, am I going to commit to this?
0: <laughs> the only problem is that I think Lurus is, just as a card, put it to your deck, relatively good already. Yeah. I think
1: maybe, yeah, for sure. That,
0: that might be fine, though. Easy on the mana. I don't think that's nice. Just put well.
1: Obash in, so then you grab yeah. the weird...
0: <laughs> I don't know
2: if there's a companion that really works super well as, like, an audible pack 3. Is there?
1: Uh, Garuda for me. What about,
2: like, Gigantha,
1: maybe? that yeah, that's not very- oh Gigantas are really is not the highest cost to, to audible for actually it's not very synergistic
2: yeah.
0: i will have a look at the companion maybe i will find one so- probably somebody's already shouting the answer at us
2: <laughs> so i also have a couple projects i'm working on one of them i think i'm not gonna mess around with right away that one is a similar idea i like Jakob. i really enjoy the idea of tension and just thinking about like the Luris decks too, how they involve a different kind of tension. For me, that is about just like making X matter more because I feel like in Vintage Cube for a long time has been so trivial to make playables that like to some extent the draft is uninteresting because, you know, there's no chance that you won't get there. But with a Luris deck, like there is a real chance you won't get there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> You
2: know, that, that exists too in IPA with the like three color nonsense. Fortunately, you're expected to play a bunch of lands to unsafe for that. Yeah. One of the things i was thinking about the one that i'm probably not going to do right away i was thinking about cube where well two different kinds of cubes that each have three different packs the first one uh, pack one would be like they really get you hooked in one color almost like uh, i want to say like shadow more eventide kind of thing where you know there are gold cards but they're pretty much all hybrid and so like you know why go into a second color when you can just like play one color then pack two everything is like a two color card so suddenly, like, in order to have a playable deck, you have to <laughs> branch out into a second color, so you're trying to figure out what to pair with the first color that you figured out you were from pack one.
0: Pips pips everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. So lots of fixing would definitely be important. And then, yeah, by the time you get to pack three, you guessed it, the wedge, shard, cards are everywhere, and it's time to figure out what your third, your third color can be. And then, you know, that would also reward people who have more experience because... They would be looking in pack two to say okay well i know i'm going to end up playing at least three colors so i shouldn't just take cards from one guild here i should see like and it wouldn't necessarily be that like the entire pack is like two color cards or the entire pack is three color cards for the latter two packs but that would just be the idea to try to like force people to play additional colors
0: but... mm-hmm. yeah it's really sweet to see how Playing this old format has opened our eyes, an angle in Limited that we have not experienced in quite a while. Right. And now going off with ideas from that. Yeah.
1: How will we do that online though? I-, I would like to do any of these. Both of these ideas sound pretty interesting.
2: I think the worst comes to worst, we could probably just have like sef- separate draft things. So like you would use a different link for each one. But given how MTGA draft works, like it's a pretty fancy site. I bet you there's a way to like install like different card pools for each pack but we haven't gotten that far yet so
1: yeah i guess you have to design them that's that's kind of the huge task yeah. huh? <laughs>
2: the one that i actually have been working on though because that's kind of my back burner idea i don't know if you guys played much of the original ravnica block uh like ravnica guild Pack dissension.
0: i have not a little bit i even drafted what was it is it ravnica ravnica guild pact was that the way you drafted the one one two set I drafted it in paper once.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I unfortunately have not gotten a chance to do it in paper. I don't know if that's if that's how it works or not, but the block altogether, it's been on a flashback on Magic Online, and it's really something special because it's just, it's like very similar to IPA in that they like force you to go these weird routes with tension. But this one, fortunately, like people have like charted out, like there are primers, like draft guides and stuff that are available. Might actually be undefeated in that format.
0: Yeah, you basically have to... Like, the best strategy is, like, three colors, probably. Yeah. So, but not all three colors are created equal. Yes,
2: yeah, exactly. Um. So it's something like... I think the the ten guilds are split across the three sets. So Guild Pact has three guilds, and Dissension has three guilds. But in the first pack, Ravnica, you have four guilds. You have, I think, Demir, Selesnya, Golgari... And what's the last one? Boros, I think? Yeah. And, yeah, so basically there isn't a way to get i i think with is it selesnia that if you if you take selesnia cards in pack one even though a lot of the selesnia cards are super super good there isn't a way to make like a functional shard or wedge
0: <laughs> because yeah. yeah the thing is you really really want to have one guild in each set that fits in right, the deck. Right, exactly.
2: Because then, you know, obviously like the good monocolor cards, people are going to be snapping those up because more people can take them. But you really want something structured so it's like, okay, in each pack, there's a different guild that I should be looking for. And so that's something that I am also working on, except this one, like the last one, because, you know, it would involve a lot of three-color cards. I was thinking, okay, well, I can't really be super like constricting about which sets go into this, you would need some probably cons of Tarkir to balance out Alara block, for instance. So, um, you know, you have the shards and wedges represented nicely in there. And then obviously like IPA too. Um, But for this one, because two colors would really be like the maximum for what's going on. It's like, it's just going to be like an old format. It's like shards of Alara and older, just like a bunch of like old gold cards, and force people to go through these weird journeys to end up with like a three color deck and like you have to know the routes i'm gonna try to make it so there isn't a trap the way like selesnia was kind of a trap (laughs) in that format it was like it was such a good time i remember and i think being like 15 and 0 or whatever in that format (laughs) definitely helped but but it was just a really sweet experience that ipa kind of reminded me of and yeah i don't know I'm, i'm hoping to create something like that too i've already got i think a couple hundred cards or so but yeah
0: it's just you will find that it's pretty hard to get three color cards for your last pack
2: yeah for the the one idea that i'm not thinking about so much right now i agree as someone who's worked on the pyramid cube i'm sure that you have a lot of experience with that
0: if you go to uncommons only commons and uncommons only then you basically have nothing with rares you have some gotcha.
2: Well, maybe like a really heavy combination of like Fixing and some three color cards. I don't know. But that idea is more like latent. I'm more interested in like the Ravnica idea where I just give people like pathways. Like, I don't know, maybe in the first pack, they're in Gruul. And the second pack, they're in Simic. And yeah, the third pack, they're in Izzet or something to make the nice team or deck. I don't know. It's, It's such a sweet format. I'm hoping I can try to recreate it.
1: So you said you're only using older cards? Well, not like super old, but...
2: Yeah, that was my goal, just because it really... Like, part of the the appeal for me is trying to make it feel like the Ravnica block. And I feel like if I use newer cards, then it it just doesn't feel like as, I don't know, authentically old. (laughs) Do you actually think
1: that's a pretty good ending point, actually?
2: Yeah, I think it's okay. I mean, it looks like, what is it? It's Zendikar scars mirrored in innistrad and then the second ravnica after that so you know i am missing out on the other four million Ravnicas, but i think it's worth it just to be faithful to the original i think it would be i i do think it would be a sweet format i've already put in a bunch of hours to it so I'm hoping Crackshot and i are in a race whether he knows it or not to to finish thieves first
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: play both of them so I have no problem, you know, like, I, I just want to play, uh, I want to play all the limited environments, mostly your, uh, mostly your peasant cube, I really, really want to play that peasant cube.
2: All right, I'll, I'll build the, the peasant cube up too. I have been neglecting it for a while. So it's only fair. But speaking of you wanting to play all the uh, limited environments, I think you've been playing a lot of uh, Super Jump lately, is that right?
1: I did actually play a lot of Super Jump. It was really, I, I kind of got stuck in robot mode like the first day. Like I had 12 trophies and someone had five because they just kept playing it for like, I don't know, eight hours probably or something. I mean, that was probably less than that. I don't think I played it that long, but it's, it's really easy to play. It's best of one though, which is like as much as I like casual formats, I think best of one is probably the casual format i don't like at all because i like sideboarding or at least i like i like taking new information like the information i get from game one and then making better decisions yeah and then when i lose in a best of one i'm just like oh man i could play so good in the future <laughs> games like i know what they have like i can make better decisions but yeah. they, they didn't allow me to do that which is yeah. um i think that's that's like a strength of the format because you could You know, MTGO players are kind of known for double-queuing and playing really slow, but the format's so fast and it's best of one, even if they're double-queuing it, it's nowhere near as painful as if you're playing, like, someone's double-queuing a best of three. So, you know, that's, like, I guess the trade-off. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you get an awful deck, it's nice to not have to play it a lot. There's a lot of combinations that are just miserable. Like, let's say you got goblins and then you just got elves. I guess I should explain how it works, like, really quickly, because a lot of people probably didn't play it. So there's curated decks that are maybe legacy power level some of them yeah they're definitely legacy cube power level i think or like you know they're they're, they're yeah. definitely pretty powerful i would say some of them are kind of weird and weak because the curve is bad but the cards in them are powerful and they're not weak because they're only weak because the curve is bad but so so you get three selections for your first pick and you you know you have to pick one of those and then you get one more choice of three specific decks and they're kind of random. And the power level is kind of... I think the power level is not that balanced because there are some awful decks and there's some awful combinations.
2: <laughs> yeah, that reminds me that there's a poll up right now on my Twitter based on what I witnessed from Jakob playing this format. Also just observing that there is a slight disparity between the Reanimator 1 and the Reanimator 2 packages. So I asked people if they would choose the Reanimator 1 packet or the Reanimator 2 packet put the the lists and the options the poll are reanimator one reanimator two or you're kidding right so far zero percent have voted for reanimator (laughs) two 64 percent have voted for reanimator one and about 36 percent have voted you're kidding right so
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) reanimator one is the bane of everyone's existence because that deck has quite a lot of redundancy it pairs with like any deck because it doesn't matter if your other deck is awful, you just mulligan to the good parts, and you can mulligan to five, you, like, you yep. can mulligan really aggressively if you want to, because the because the reanimator one is so redundant. It has like three reanimate cards, and quite a few, It has a tomb, and discard outlets, yes. and really powerful reanimate cards.
0: It's, yeah. it's just like... There's Crystal Brand and then another card that's not as good to reanimate, but it's still very strong on early on. It's like the demon that demonic tutors
1: for you i think shieldred is in there too which yeah pretty crushing because most decks a lot of the decks in this format randomly don't have two cost cards they'll have like two so their curves are awful so if you even turn two shieldred they just can't interact (laughs) with it until like turn three or four i think that's my biggest gripe in the format is best of one and reanimator one a lot of the other decks are pretty fun and cool like the enchantment decks i didn't think they were cool but they are actually pretty cool the blink decks are kind of oppressive like there's this mono white blink deck which i looked you know like when i looked at the names mono white blink i was like oh this doesn't seem that good no you there's this jumpstart card from from like real life jumpstart which is like a four mana four four, four you unicorn horse maybe it's a yep. horse maybe it's unicorn oh, yeah. but it allows you to blink anything but the thing is the deck has Flicker wisp, charming prince and karmic guide. So basically, in the end game, you get you get these ridiculous loops where no, they can't kill any of your stuff, and you can control your opponent's whole board. And the the this this deck has Elspeth Conqueror's death. It has like the most ridiculous end game ever. Obviously, you can lose to Reanimator one because it takes some setup, but it, be, it beats <laughs> any other deck in the late game besides the self mill deck. But the self mill deck is pretty bad. So like, I guess you could lose to Thassa's Oracle, but you all, the deck the deck is actually pretty good at beating down too. I don't know. the The mono white blink deck is really cool and sick. the The Kiki deck is really nice. It's a mono red deck that has Splinter Twin and Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker, and it no. all, it has some really unfun cards like Goblin Settler. I got a lot of uh hate comments in my chat because I would play Goblin Settler, destroy their land, and then Splinter Twin it and keep destroying their lands. <laughs> yeah, I I got flamed <laughs> quite a few <laughs> times.
0: <laughs> 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 I don't know. I think, like the only, the one thing is you really can't be angry at what your opponent's doing. Like, yeah, they're just, especially investor one. Cards.
1: Yeah, I got flamed for the people really hate land destruction. I'll tell you. Like, <laughs> re- re- reanimator one just destroy someone turn two with Grizzlebrand. No, no comments. Destroy one land with Goblin Settler. They'll just wish <laughs> death upon my family. You know, just. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy. That's so sad. It's fine. Well, I, I, really I like... guess land destruction causes just some irrational reaction. Because I know in, in, like, Commander, people are like, no, like, in the, like I want to play Commander on MTGO sometimes, and they'll be like, no land destruction. That'll be, like, the only thing they put there. No yeah. combos, no land destruction. Like, okay.
2: <laughs> I think that actually goes back to IPA in a couple ways. I won't talk about it for long, but one of the things about IPA, which is really funny, I think, is... There are a bunch of ways to destroy lands, and some of them say non-basic, and some of them don't. That like to me, it seems like it's all relatively well balanced. Like the land destruction, it's not like you're gonna play a card that destroys a land and like you're handily winning because you played it. It's like, well, now I slowed my opponent down. How am I able to leverage that? Yep. maybe play your implode that like cantrips, or you play whatever creature has kicker. There are a couple of
1: them that destroy lands. Frenzy Tilly to um, too, which is kind of nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's kind they, of interesting. Yeah, like five yeah. mana, red green, like three red um, green destroys a land and you search for a land.
2: It's it's the same kind of frustration that
1: IPA causes. I feel like that land
2: destruction causes. Oh, like, you know what you card is some...
0: frustrating? That that zero
1: two. I think you can target your opponent's lands. Oh my god. Yeah the the blue fixing uh, oh, can yeah, just yeah. They all so can.
2: Shine. Yeah yeah so just I don't know I feel like people really hate when you put them in a prison like they don't. They don't care somehow about the gristle brand as much as like not being able to like try to play their game. Like it's fine if they die before they have a chance, but <laughs> but if you mess with them, if you tell them you're not casting any spells or making an impact on the board, that, that makes them upset. It,
1: it gives them the illusion of chance. They're like, I could keep playing, you know, they ha- you know, like maybe I just draw like this one thing to tempo one turn and then you know, I get back into it
2: split second answer for gristlebrand and then i'm back in the yeah,
1: no. oh for for land destruction not for gristlebrand gristlebrand just oh for sure
2: yeah yeah okay so any particularly fun combinations i know one person in our discord got reanimator one two
1: times in the same event
2: uh, which is yeah
1: <laughs> well yeah fun because you get to do the broken thing and your league takes five minutes but <laughs> sure oh yeah i totally bm someone by accident because they were like oh look at you opa when in, uh, what's the secret sauce? And then they were playing ninjas. So I was like, oh, don't play ninjas. <laughs> that one's a bad one. And they were like, ouch. I was like, oh, God, I, I I did not mean to upset this person. But yeah, ninjas, not good, not fun. Oh, the artifact one. You you did see me play against Caleb D. That one is kind of fun. It has some like really bad ones, but I don't know. Scrap trawler with hanger back and like, I don't know, sacrificing things is kind of fun. You, you can do some cool loops with that. Oh, all the mono red ones are fun. I'll I'll say every single mono red jumpstart deck is fun and they play great together. Death Shadow also is super fun. It just like I don't know, Death Death Shadow is like not really a limited card. I mean, these are these these I guess these aren't limited. They're pretty close to limited in, in my mind for some reason. And just being able to play Death Shadow and enable it is pretty fun. Like there's this card Argyle's Bloodfast. I didn't really play Exelon or that standard format, but Argus oh bloodfast is a super sick card and i got it with hogak once and like my opponent just couldn't win because i could just keep sacking hogak to gain life that was that was like a fun one i'd say reanimator 2 is really fun also it's not it's not overly broken it's kind of clunky but you have some powerful things that you can do yeah reanimator 2 is pretty fun i did want to try like there's a fairies one, which I think is not fun. Well, it's fun to play, but it's not fun to play against because, like, one time my opponent went, like, fairy seer into spell stutter sprite into click into miss click, and then I died. That was not yeah, fun. Yeah, but that's, yeah.
0: like, very unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. It's kind of weird, but I actually think you're not supposed to take some of the blue decks because some of the blue decks are awful and some of the blue decks don't play well together either, which I, I don't know how to explain it, but some of the combinations that seem like they should be really good together just aren't
2: have any experience with Jakob? what did we play against it was like card draw like what
0: was it yeah i think it was card draw one or something yeah. so they had like multiple jaces yeah. and they had yeah.
2: mystic confluence torrential gear hulk
0: yeah
1: yeah oh memory uh commit to memory yeah that one uh that one's not the most fun to play with because it's it's pretty tough for any deck to beat uh mystic confluence gear hulk mystic confluence that one's <laughs> that one's a doozy i'll say that <laughs> yeah, makes sense yeah i think the format's good they could do it better and i think that if they lowered the power level it might be more fun which is kind of weird or if they up the power level a little bit and made the curves better which like th- there's a lot of tweaking you could do but this format could be like really nice to just kind of play for fun because you basically can't lose too much money because even 03 you get 10 play points back
0: yeah. yeah, I think I will do another one now that I know that I'm not completely tanking my rating and killing my dream <laughs> of ever reaching the 2,000 ever. Yeah,
2: highest I ever got, I think, was 1959. So you guys are definitely way ahead of me. Um, it's also been a while since I tried to run the rating up.
1: I think I think you'll get there again. If they ever power up Mono White and Vintage Cube again? All you gotta do is just take your garbage picks and destroy people <laughs> with Isamaru and stuff. <laughs> no. I mean, the funny thing
2: was it was either like Ravnica or like Zendikar. There have been a few of the flashback drafts where like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I like read a draft guide and then I somehow like get like five trophies in a row or something. And it's like, well, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but whoever wrote this article really does.
1: (laughs) Yo, some of those old draft guides are insane. Yeah. Yeah. People really had a good grasp on the old formats for sure.
0: Yeah. And in those formats, it's also like a huge difference of whether you are like a little bit in the know or not at all.
2: Yep. Yeah, for sure. And that's another thing, too, that I meant to mention at least once or twice before Vintage Cube. I feel like the cues
0: oh, yeah, and I forgot
2: to make my big claim about Vintage Cube. I guess I'll do that now, too. Uh, yeah, basically, just like, even though Magic Online is, I would say, a pretty competitive atmosphere. You can still find a lot of people who are not really in it for some hardcore cutthroat competition. They're just looking to play Magic and have fun. That does make the cues softer, but then like certain cues are not soft. Like for instance, I would say like IPA day one, much much softer than like IPA day like five. (laughs) It's just yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. My my big claim about vintage cube. I was thinking about this format, and it seems like even though I haven't drafted it really at all this last season, it seems like mono red and mono white are becoming increasingly difficult to draft because they're not open as often anymore. And I interpret that to mean that signal reading is now more relevant in that cube than it ever has been. Because in the past, at least for me, I could basically play mono white every single time if I wanted to. And like even the bad mono white decks are capable of trophying, which is like really quite something. Someone can be directly, you know, next to me cutting off like the white cards, and I can still get like a bad mono white deck, which is capable of it. now it's getting to a point, at least it seems like it to me where the best aggressive thing you can do is maybe some kind of boros thing or maybe some kind of raptor thing like you were talking about opa
1: or um, mono black yeah. aggro <laughs> right.
2: yeah just the point is like the you know the winning archetypes they're not necessarily like monocolor decks anymore like or the winningest archetypes i guess and to me that means that you actually have to pay attention in the draft you can't just be like i'm going to take every white card i'm the auto picker and i'm still going to win like <laughs> you have to like use your brain a little bit
0: yeah, but, yeah, there's yeah. a point of that. Like, even when you when you say you are forcing Lurus, that doesn't mean you know which colors you would.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think Opa ended up with plenty of weird Lurus decks. Like you said, I think Abzan, but also Esper and some other stuff too.
1: Mm-hmm. I was really close to a Jeskai one that was like Breach combo. I missed the Brain Freeze, so my deck ended up being awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh no!
2: <laughs> they go for it though, for sure. That's yeah, so- how
1: can you not? That's the best combo. Well, it's not the. I don't know if it's the best combo in the whole queue, but it's definitely like a really nice combo because you can still do yeah. some normal breach things.
2: One last thought about jumpstart. I feel like reanimator two thing. It's just kind of set up for failure because even though I think the cards themselves are not horrible necessarily, and like oh, I think you said that it's fun stuff or whatever. It's right next to reanimator one. And they're both called the same thing, even though they're not exactly trying to do the same things. Like when I first looked at it, I was like, "Okay, why didn't they at least like split the broken cards between the two? You know, the Reanimator 2 to me seems more like a Hogak-like combo kind of package, which is not like Reanimator necessarily in the same sense.
1: They could have put uh, Alter of Dimension in that one to kind (laughs) of bridge the gap between that and Reanimator 1. Sure, yeah. I feel like just naming them similarly
2: is really doing them a disservice. Because oh, yeah, with the numbers,
1: it's it's actually kind of hard to
2: remember what they all do. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the other thing too is like, you know, when it's next to something that really looks so amazing. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think the format could be really sweet with some tweaks. It's generally pretty tough to like power everything up to an equal point, but maybe... We take out some of the gristle brands and like the one and two mana reanimation, and (laughs) from there maybe uh, reanimator one can be on an equal playing field, a level playing field with the other deck.
1: Yeah, if you Um, cut in tomb, maybe things like that. And and tomb and tomb is like yeah, and tomb and reanimator one. Your opponent goes in tomb, you just feel bad. You're like, oh god, they have three reanimation cards like in their deck. They're probably gonna hit one. (laughs) Yeah. I would like to design my own super jump decks now, but the problem is, like, it's so much easier online, right? You, you don't have to shuffle or anything, and you you can't really like if you made it in real life, it's just you have to separate them every time. I don't know. The, the format's cool. I kind of hope they do it again some other time, but maybe, like I said, either bridge the power gap between like all the decks so they're all like on a more play, like level playing field, or just like I don't know, power them down. <laughs> maybe that would also be cool.
2: We, Crackshot and I do have our, you know, IPA cube projects that we're working on. If you were to, you know, work on a Super Jump cube, I think we would definitely be willing to test it out. Probably be really cool to see what you come up with. That.
1: Yeah, Super Jump decks, that might be nice. I kind of do that already because I wanted to build some decks for real life uh, that is it's similar in the power level of some of the Super Jump decks. Probably not the Reanimator one.
0: Yeah, that sounds oh. good. I will play this again now. You really, really made me want to try some wacky stuff and not care if I'm losing to the reanimator. It really doesn't matter.
1: I don't think you can have higher than like a 60% win rate in the format just (laughs) because it's best of one. Well, maybe if you were like, if you had a big brain, like I have a small brain and have no memory. So like, I can't remember what to play around. And like, I'll be like, oh, my opponent has, my opponent has solitude. So that means they have soul herder. But then I don't remember everything else that goes along with it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. If your brain is big enough for that, then you can you can really make good assumptions on about how your opponent's playing. But because there's actually kind of a lot of decks, it's kind of hard to remember every single card. But technically, if you wanted to be the best jumpstart player on MTGO, just memorize every deck, and then you can play around everything. <laughs> yep. Because one card will always infer, tw- you know, like 17 other cards or whatever. I don't know how many. Spe- no, these sure. are fifteen card packs, so one card will always infer like quite a few other cards. So you see two cards from your opponent's deck, you know one hundred percent what they have.
2: Yeah, yeah, I guess I brains really do it well.
0: Our brains are really already very, very much tuned to remembering magic cards. <laughs> Somehow it's always easier than remember anything else in life.
1: That's
2: true. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, yeah. Okay, so are we moving on to our last uh, topic here, the the Chaos Draft Pro Tour? This is the second. Oh, yeah.
0: that was. Such a good time! Thank you again, Max, for for organizing it.
1: Yeah, that was yeah. fun. I drafted an awful deck because I can't <laughs> well, not. Hearts. No, that wasn't it. I saw oh my god! I saw this Quark Clan Shaman, and I was like, man, I really just want to play Flyers and Quark Clan Shaman and Wrath people. And then I'd got no artifacts, and my deck was oh, it was rough. No well, wrath as good
0: in game one twice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: I had like four rats in my deck. You don't understand. I had Suicidal Charge. I also had the three-minute Chandra, which can flashback stuff. I had Volcanic Fallout, the one damage to everything without Flyers, and Zell's Persecution.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a lot.
2: That's the yeah. second Suicidal Charge, I guess, because we also uh, played against one in Spiraling's deck and ended up going undefeated, trophying the event. Not necessarily a huge surprise. Spiraling is a super talented player, but I don't know. Just awesome to have someone who's really new to our community do so
1: well in this event
0: oh yeah
1: yeah I, and your guys's deck was amazing
0: i was thinking that every single round but especially when we face spiraling because like all of the others i know a little bit but spiraling is like just a, a name that i tend to lose against <laughs> so what i said aloud was why do we invite all these great players to our to our uh, chaos draft throw towards, like so scary.
2: <laughs> it really is scary, but it's also, I mean, it's just an amazing learning experience. I feel like, like I don't even know how many times I've lost to Monsieur Verdú in chaos lately. It's probably, oh I, yeah, yeah. It seems like every time I lose, I learn something, or like I psyched myself out because I'm playing Verdú and I make like a stupid error that costs me the match, or something. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. I think it's a really great learning opportunity, like especially for me because I don't know. To me, I always feel like, well, how many people on the earth can there possibly be who have played as much Chaos as I have or who love it as much as I do? And just playing with some of the players who have played Chaos as much as I have, it's just such a great reminder. Like, yeah, I still have a lot to learn. Like...
0: <laughs> yeah, and people regularly come up with genius ideas for the decks and they so often have real identity. Yeah. Like, even, even what you just said, Ben, yours like you say it's a failed draft but still deck has a real identity and can really get people
1: oh yeah i was i was taking the draw every time it was sick <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually had a lot of mana issues with 18 lands though so that was a bummer yeah it's never fun did um, Did you see smashers deck oh man he had a he he played that big he played that big dinosaur against me twice and i was like oh my rats aren't good against a nine nine oh wow
0: wow. yeah he had a really really crazy draft i think at some point maybe i want to interview him how he how he ended up where he ended up like his draft seemed pretty straightforward and then he opened Sakama and went all in on it
2: yeah a bunch of good black cards out the window like (laughs) yeah no this is like your tension cubes ah
1: (laughs) pretty much yeah
2: but, but a little different because like the idea with the cubes is like that's supported and you know there should be, like, some faith that, like, someone created this with this in mind. Like, I'm going to get there. I hope. With the Smasher, he has no reassurance. Just, like, all in.
1: Slash <laughs> it if he just has a bunch of black cards. It is nine mana, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Just do the IPA thing and play 19 lands, you know? Whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's really cool. He tried that and even managed to cast Sakama a few times. Uh, a few but times he was than. in a very hard spot for it also. Because when you look at the table, in a row, passing to him pack 1 and 3, you have Max and me as a two-headed giant, drafting <laughs> green-white. Then QT drafting green-blue. Then a Mars also drafting green-white. And if you then want to move into Zakama, you really are struggling to get... A... Wait, was Black that open? I didn't even remember Black being super open. Yeah, well, the thing is, before you Oh, because Spiraling
1: was passing to me, right? He was in black. Yeah, yeah, and then oh, that's why.
0: <laughs> and then Sam, two before that, was also in black. Oh, so, you, yeah. know, it you know, it was really weird. Disappointing
1: playing. is I first picked Laskite and I really wanted to play it because that would have been the best card in my deck, probably.
0: Yeah, there was no blue being passed to it. Yeah,
1: I was, I, almost like lost my mind when I saw this in Emp- Eagle, I was like, oh man, I got this cart clan Shaman. I'm gonna go Flyers, but I took this Chandra, which I never cast, but I'm sure it would have been good to double Wrath one turn.
2: Oh, he did give you the Chandra, didn't he?
1: <laughs> yeah, is that yeah. card powerful? I, did, I I couldn't really. I thought it was maybe not that strong, but it is chaos, so like it's probably decent.
0: I would have, I think it's very good in your deck, but it's not easy to make happen. I think oh. it's a good card, but not like a bomb.
1: Yeah, that makes sense
0: like a strong synergy piece right if you can make use of the tokens it's also if death triggers or something then it's great imagine review?
1: um having enough people for chaos draft pro tour 3 where you have like 16 people so like the final list of two pods would be sick yeah i i've actually been
2: i've been thinking about that i think not sure when i'll get it to happen but i think maybe opa you've been reading my mind or something because i'm i'm working on uh, i imagine what you were gonna say which is uh, two eight person pods then if you go 2 one or better you go into the top eight and then uh, duke it out
1: oh man i gotta i gotta not draft stupid dicks then i, I can't <laughs> see Clarkland clan shaman know it's gonna wheel and that's the problem i always get hooked by the artifact thing i'm like yo i'm gonna get so many artifacts in these never <laughs> never have i ever gotten a ton of artifacts in chaos draft <laughs>
0: yeah they get picked up
2: and if Amaz can do it with his Anvil deck that Trophied, not in this event, but a, just a regular Chaos Draft, then no, it can be done.
1: That's true. <laughs> well, it also depends on the packs you open, right? If you open something like Origins, yeah. you get a bunch of creatures that are or Origins or Aetherworld. You get like regular creatures that make artifacts, too, which is pretty relevant. It, it, so I can't say it never has happened. I just have not been privy enough. I will regularly train chaos drafts, trying to be like, I need eight artifacts, and then <laughs> my deck is perfect, and then I get three. <laughs> I mean, it's worth a try yep. for sure. I don't. Know. I also need to stop opening Kamigawa pack one. That, that 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 kills me every time. Oh my god.
0: We had a lot of Kamigawa in this draft, Dead. but I have to say that this Kamigawa pack you opened is a very decent one.
1: Yeah, I actually was able to get in close enough to Spirits to play Waxmane Baku, but kind of didn't want to play it because my deck was like going to wrath it, kind of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this maybe we can quickly give people the options from that pack because I really think it's for what is this, a Saviors of Kamigawa pack like exceptionally good. You had as a rare, Yukora the Prisoner, which is for two black black, a legendary 5-5, five five, Demon. And when it leaves play, you have to sacrifice all non-orgal creatures you control. So it's a big drawback, but in a control deck, this is like a real threat. Like, it's, it's a real card.
1: Yeah, just for Chaos, that raid is kind of powerful.
0: Yeah, that, I think that card was played in Constructed back then. <laughs> like, it's standard.
1: And then it had the Glass Gate, which was pretty nice.
0: Yeah, then for the, for well, three in the blue, a 2-3 flyer that the first time it gets targeted, the spell out ability gets countered.
1: That that's a, that's true. a finite card by the way. Whenever you see him draft a chaos, like on stream, he's like, Oh look at these uh blue these blue white flyers You know? <laughs> Just like yeah. every time like, oh this card has flying. Oh it's blue, oh look,
0: this white card has flying. Mm. <laughs> <No problem. laughs> but also in that pack is a card you passed to us and that we were very happy to pick up, which is Plite Miko. For yeah. 1 and a white, it's a 1-1. One, one. Fox Cleric, and for a white and tap, you can tap to prevent the next 2 damage to any target. It's a healer. And that's really good. Like, double healer. That's a really strong card for a Camilla pack.
1: Oh yeah, I was thinking of taking that card because uh, I've actually seen Finite draft that card quite a few times.
0: Yeah, it's a, that's that's a real Finite special. Like, he was so excited to see it. I was still thinking about, uh, maybe we want the 5-5 five, five Brick or, or the Harbinger. maybe we want to go... Yeah, with, with the Harbinger of Spring, we first pick the green card. And Harbinger of Spring is the green option in this pack. It's for 4 and a green, a 2-1 spirit. Doesn't sound exciting. It has Soul Shift 4, which also is not exciting. So when it dies, you can return a, a spirit with mana cost 4 or less from your graveyard to your hand. But the important part is that it has protection from non-spirit creatures. So it can block anything. And won't die, and it's also basically unblockable.
1: Well, except for oh, against open. That card is good. <laughs>
0: oh, and yeah. all my
1: deal, one damage, everything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, it's a card that can get punished, but it really has applications. So I th- that card did not come around the table because yeah, I think it, it's really not not terrible.
1: No, that card's basically a uh, guardian of the guild pact. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: well, guardian <laughs> also dodges a lot of removal, which makes it quite a bit better. But still, it's it looks very weird, but it's a playable
2: yeah it's one of those cards that you know you see five mana two one you think no but it's actually just a reasonable card and then you have some other cards in the pack too like the uh hill giant that we ended up wheeling
0: somehow yeah
1: what was nice about this draft is there were these two weird chimeras you would know what Masters said or i don't know i think they were from master's edition And, like, one of them is, like, you could sack it to give another chimera flying and plus two, plus two permanently. And I think the other one was, like, you could give plus two, plus two, and, like, trample indefinitely. (laughs) Yep.
2: Horrible. Maybe you
0: got, like, a... The First Strike one was in there. First Strike and flying were there. From Visions. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what it was.
1: Yeah, I was like, man, imagine getting, like, a changeling, and you just kind of, you kind of just... Oh, you get Valiant changeling from Modern Horizons 1, and you just uh five five double strike flyer or something you know
0: yeah and then you proliferate that stuff <laughs> <laughs> if you ever proliferated a plus two plus two counter that's something else
1: <laughs> oh my god yeah you can do that that that's actually kind of wow maybe i maybe i'll maybe i'll take that camara next time i see it and try to do something stupid with it
0: yeah the, i mean the flying one is pr- probably the one that you want to try it with because four mana two two flying artifact creature is not the worst yet. yeah
1: that it's, that uh, one is pretty good what do you guys think the most powerful card in your pool was? I didn't re- exactly remember your deck.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, uh, pretty easy, I would say.
1: Oh, you're just going to say the the pack one pick one. No. <laughs> oh, Adiphage? I don't know if that's the best card in your deck.
0: No, it's not. It's Noble Hierarch.
1: Easily. Oh, yeah, yeah, I pass, dude, passing that Noble Hierarch was painful. I remember <laughs> that specifically. I'm like, "What? This is like, oh god, I else help- like spiraling passes. I, think- I have to pass this too?
0: I think Sam opened it. Like we got a like Pick four or pick five. Yeah. Sam or Toffel opened it. It went really late. We yeah. were so fortunate that all the green players were just to the other side of that deal yeah. opened, and people but kept passing it.
1: I think my strongest card was the. It's the white. Oh, uh, collective. It's collect It's the white collective card that that lets effort. you. Yeah, collective effort. That card's pretty powerful, I think. Yeah, that yeah. is a
2: very good card.
1: I never, I never got to cast it, but I, I definitely wanted to because every time i played against that in Chaos, I think I've lost immediately.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's quite strong, especially, I mean, I don't know if you get really the enchantment thing going very often, but, yeah, you just, like, put counters on stuff, kill a thing, you win.
1: Kill the biggest
2: thing, specifically. True, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's rough when you can't target something your opponent has, but when you can, then it's quite nice. Yeah, no, I think I think our deck turned out pretty nice. We, pack three, we got a little greedy with passing some green-white cards, but like we were a little bit no
0: not some one no no, no. we we passed two but yeah but but with the second one it wasn't like even us being greedy it was just that we thought the other card was better
1: you passed a like the four mana green white cascade card but that card's not even that powerful i think yeah the captured yeah or whatever yeah no thank you
0: the contentious pick we're talking about is we were already like solidly in green white our pick one pack three had a gold card in green-white. Yeah, that... It's Enripp Bushhopper. Yeah. One green-white for a 3-4 with some upside. So you can discard two cards from your hand to return it uh, to, to blink it. Yeah, And that card is good. But the other option was Phantom Tiger.
1: Oh and yeah, really the one that
0: you played it. against me.
1: That card is pretty yeah. annoying.
0: Yeah, So and we already had like a, a good aura in our pool. So I really wanted to take the Phantom Tiger. I thought it might have might even be the better card. And I, w- I said... I'm sure we will wheel the Bushhopper. I was so sure of it. <laughs> but alas, it's not real. <laughs>
2: I did jinx us, we didn't wheel it. Mm. But then there was also a like green white random protection duter.
0: Yeah. Right in the next pack there was the the Outlander, green white for a two-two with pro black versus an ember weaver. Yeah. Two and a green for a two-three bleach spider. Yeah.
2: With some ability that cares about red permanence that we didn't have. And yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Amaz ended up picking up both of those, so we didn't wheel either of them. Just a couple of seats away, there is another drafter in the same exact colors, which was unexpected. But I do think our draft went very, very well. I think it went like almost as well as possible for us. And like, particularly one pick that I'm happy about was Dragonstalker versus Scattershot, because I think that pick really, like I don't know, that set us up for success.
1: Yeah. I pass that to you, but I don't know what that card does.
2: Well, Dragonstalker is basically just a 5-mana 3-3 flyer. It also has
1: protection from dragons.
0: White flyer. Oh, yeah, that one was
1: good. Maybe I should have picked that one up. I can't remember what I took over it now. Oh, I deleted that Chaos deck too. Oh, man, I can't even look it up. Yeah, I think my draft didn't go that well. I don't know if I made very good picks, which is kind of a bummer, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it definitely happens. I think that should be your draft. I didn't make awful picks, but I don't think I made the best picks a bunch of times.
0: What I think was even more important, Max is the pick after that.
1: Oh, you know what I might have done wrong actually in the um in the uh, Mirrodin pack? I took Chromatic Sphere because uh, I was like, oh, maybe I just buy something." But I think maybe I was supposed to take Vanguard Hunter. That card's like a lot better. <laughs> yeah, that made our deck then. Yeah. How would you guys rate those two? I always like whenever I see Chromatic Sphere, I always just like take it, but I don't even know if that's the right pick. Oh, I took Oh, I took Frontline Strategist over this flyer. I must have just not read that this had flying. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that I didn't take that. Now I was like, "Oh, this is a three-three for five. That doesn't look very good." Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it's
0: also been very good in your final deck. That's also real wrong card. Oh yeah,
1: scatter would have been good. So that was a bad pick. I uh, visions. I, I I just like I was like I don't even know. Did I make a good Kamigawa pick? Oh my god! I'm looking at this draft. I didn't draft that well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but in that pack five, like the pick pick after that, uh, Dragonstalker, we had another close decision to make. Between the ward or the warthog <laughs> and the dwarven vigilantes, like a red card and a green card, and we were thinking about taking the scatter shot earlier. And then I thought maybe we should like, move in on a red signal here, mm-hmm. even though we passed the red card earlier. But we took the the pig, and the pig was good, very good for us. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, a card I felt really painful passing fountain of renewal. That's like I love I love little artifacts like that.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, we didn't even think we talked about that one.
1: Oh my god shadow guild mage is strong how did i not like just hate pick that oh because i took this weird uh protection spell. i gotcha gotcha man all right i should uh i should learn to draft better <laughs> that's what i that's what i've learned from looking at my draft real quick i'm not
2: convinced but... that you're in need of any any help drafting of uh i feel like
1: uh yeah. i just need to get in the zone you know i i always yeah. feel like i should draft for fun when i'm doing these chaos pro tours but man i want to win once you know
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah i also really want to win once <laughs> <yeah, laughs> okay. The warning feels very good but winning is special
1: well you yeah. see you're just saving when finite finds 16 people and you feel the glory of crushing 15 great drafters
0: <laughs> oh that would be something else would <laughs> be fun
2: though frankly like i'd be happy to Make it into the top eight draft if you know 16 people or whatever. Also, like if that's something I'm doing, I might not be able to play. Like this time, one of the reasons it went so smoothly is because I was just able to kind of hang out and like organize and make sure everything happened. And I was able to like answer anyone's questions and like trade with people while like Jakob was actually doing like the driving, right? So if it's a 16 person draft, then I might be like the alpha frog, I might not be the uh, you know. One of the competitors which would be sad but
1: we'll see
0: i mean we could do it the other way around next time
1: just ask someone if they'll uh run it for you <laughs> i don't know if anyone could though <laughs>
2: i think i could no no just kidding <laughs> but yeah no just just like jakob this is my second 2-1 in the event and i don't know it feels good and bad this draft i think was much easier than the last one for me the the last draft i was in i was like really Kind of all over the place in terms of colors, and then landed on this like red green overrun deck, and managed to pull out a two one, even though I like misclicked a assigning damage thing on Moto, which was scary. But and I also almost, I almost won the the match that I lost. I don't think I would have trophy the event if I if I had won that match, but I was really close. <laughs> yeah. Now should we mention our pack one pick one? Because I I would love to hear what Opa would have taken from our
1: oh easy page. oh okay. easy. <laughs> okay okay There's right. a big old guy I mean I'm you you have to remember I'm also not the best I I am one five in these chaos draft Pro Tours but I'm also I can't make my brain turn into like super spiky mode when I play chaos because it's super fun to draft around things you, you know also
2: like win all the time on the like on the leaderboards and stuff when chaos is up so.
1: Yeah, but that's a league format, right? When I'm playing against the best, you know, it's I I can't, you know, you can't get away with being a you can't you can't get away like trying to do some stupid strategies sometimes.
0: Yeah,
1: right. Like I I need to draft a little bit better for sure.
0: Yeah, but so the pack pick one pack one basically only had three real options. It was a really weak pack of well, oh, what is this picked? No, uh, gate
2: crash I think right.
0: Gate crash. Gate crash. Yeah. Okay. Gate crash. A Ravnica set. It has giant Adiphage, which we already talked about and which we ended up taking, but I, I was driving mostly. But we decided before that Max will always make the last calls if we are not sure or if we're undecided. Yeah, so Adiphage is for five green green, seven mana. A seven seven insect with trample. And it deals combat damage to a player, you put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of giant edophage. So it's basically uh un-jump-able. So if they Jump it even with something relatively big. If any, any damage gets through, you would get a second one. Like It's also protected against Death Touch. So they block it with Death Toucher. You deal some damage and you get a new one.
2: Have like a um, through the breach. You win the game.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah, kind of cool. But yeah, it's like seven mana. And I, I don't know. I'm not feeling so hot about seven mana plays, even if it's very good. So I really wanted to take the Riot gear that is in this pack.
1: Didn't JNQD be like easy right gear? <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing is like I
2: I really wanted to ask people about this pick, and I think Jakob did too, maybe for a different reason. I feel like Jakob wanted to be here some riot gear validation. Uh <laughs>
0: where a little
2: bit, yeah. But I also I wanted to question my pick because basically I think, you know, sure, we cast the out of age a grand total of zero times throughout the draft, but I feel like that is not supposed to happen, especially with multiple ramp cards in our 17 land deck and, you know, one of our creatures is also a land cycler, but just I think the major takeaway is like, surprisingly close. Like, you know, for me I was also on like, easy ataphage going into this. Like, we took it and, you know, we ended up in green, so it was fine. We ended up with a deck that made it look really good. Like, the riot gear yep. actually is castable. <laughs>
0: like, no matter what,
2: you know? And it goes, like... Uh, re cost is pretty
0: cheap. Like, it's the the unexciting equipment.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's such a
0: disciplined Two mana, choice. plus one, plus two, two, two.
1: It's, it's a little too easy to lose to, uh... Well, maybe not too easy, but I think it wouldn't be too hard to lose to Edifish, but... Yeah. And it's not too hard to, like, grind, like, kind of build a deck that can stall the game towards your, like, very powerful top end. And I mean, the games aren't most likely going to be too fast on average, but that's just my thinking. I don't know. Uh, Riot Gear is also super good and you can't really go wrong with that.
2: It's just so weird because like you think about the Smasher like resolving Zakama like three total times and you think about us not casting our seven drop. But yeah, I mean, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I don't know. I feel like but that's more of a whims of the small sample size. Exactly. And, you know, I like, think. so too, yeah, yeah, that's
0: it could still be that the Ediphage is just the correct pick, but also before the draft I was thinking about what am I wishing for to get from this draft and I thought to myself just a bunch of creatures and some medium clunky equipment yeah. and then we opened one I don't know I, I thought that last time
1: weird. and I went 03 which was kind of a bummer <laughs> I had green white medium with like three equipments got a ton of equipment I don't you might have had more than 3 yeah well, I did have golem skin gauntlets and I was able to like pump it up. oh maybe I had 4 yeah I think I played golem skin gauntlets cuz I had like quite a few uh yeah. quite a few of them
2: that was a really cool thing. I remember Arna was like very impressed. He was at like, uh, like I was watching his vod, and he was at twenty life, and then suddenly he's like almost dead. And he was like, "Whoa!" Um, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, that deck was funny. I, mean,
2: I think yeah. ultimately, again, what it comes down to for our pack one pick one, the thing that's like really hard to kind of wrap my head around is like the out of age, the games where it comes down, it almost always wins, right? Like the opponent needs to have a tapper or a removal spell like they have to interact with it or they will die basically or yeah. they sure they can kill you first or whatever but the thing about like the riot gear is it comes down like every game there's never a game where you can't cast riot gear right you're not you're not keeping a one lander are you like I- i'm not
0: <laughs> no. unless
2: it's like a very very specific one lander yeah. yeah no so the riot gear comes down every game every game presumably you're going to play like one creature at least and therefore, like it always has an impact. Sure, it's not going to win the game on turn two, the way age would if you could cast it that early. But the age simply doesn't come down every game. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's really tough. I think.
1: So the tension between a card that you'll pretty much always play and like use versus something that is kind of game winning, but just not it's just not relevant in a de- or it just doesn't come up a decent amount of the time. Like, I think mm. I think
2: basically the question is like. It's easier to understand if you look at it backwards. If we all, if we have all of our deck drafted, and then like the forty-fifth pick of the draft is Ataphage versus Riot Gear, I think it's a much easier decision. And the question is, are we there on power level, or do we need to, you know, get something to boost the overall power level so we have like a real chance of spiking some games, or are we already there on the power level? Do we just want to increase our? Cons- I think that's that's the best way to understand it. I can come up with
1: in chaos i feel like it's hard to find a creature that good that's that that will always make me want to take like something that's pretty powerful i don't know i don't mind ramping too i i think i think you can't go really wrong either way
0: (laughs) yeah it's interesting how close it is because riot gear in the original format is not really a card
1: yeah i don't think i don't think it was playable in gay crash right you just like died to boros
0: (laughs) yeah and then there's a third card in the pack that. Um, or Zofcharm? Zofcharm? Yep. Zofcharm,
1: yeah. yeah, that one That one at least isn't as close as the other two, I
0: think. Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, starting with a gold card is the thing. I feel like
2: there are definitely gold cards that I would first pick in Chaos, too. Like, even if the rest of the pack is strong. Like, number one example that comes to mind for me is Yusri, because I ended up like four or five colors in a Chaos draft after like pack one, pick one, Usri. Because, you know, you resolve the thing, you're going to draw some cards. It might not be as many as you wanted to. <laughs> But and then when I played it, I was super lucky and I like drew like 10 cards or whatever in like one game. But yeah, that's yep. that's a card where like, you know, sure, rolls of charm is very good, but so is every removal spell. Something like use3 there aren't too many cards like it where it just has the potential to like draw you like a ridiculous number of cards for
1: yeah, that yeah, card so... That card is, like, a, probably a pretty nice chaos pickup, huh? <laughs>
2: they don't pressure you, then, yeah, you can just dump your life into it.
1: <laughs> did, did you play much Modern Horizons 2? Because I killed myself with Usry, like, a few times. <laughs> I don't
2: think I ever killed myself with three, but I definitely took some damage from it.
1: <laughs> I felt like Modern Horizons 2 was a little swingy, so sometimes I'd pay a little too much life, and then I wouldn't realize that my opponent would have, like, Some runner runners that would kill me from a very low life total, even if I had a lot of resources, which was kind of interesting. But that is not likely to happen in chaos. So, you know, you can really, you can really go a little more wild with drawing, maybe in chaos. Except for against round
2: three with our green white deck against some kind of like red sweeper player who like killed us out of nowhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) We had a lot of fun drafting this in a very competitive environment but you listener can draft with a lot of the same people and still get good competition if you just join our discord and it's basically so the
1: same people
2: it's, and the 16 yeah. person event would be like open entry it's not going to be this you know really like restrictive thing so anyone who can make it at the the time we end up going with and we might end up doing this multiple times especially if it goes well then multiple drafts potentially in a row to you know try to do something super sweet and see if you can uh, best well some pretty stiff competition
0: yeah like we had people with that are known moto grinders we had people who have well in some cases won or at least played on multiple pts like toffle is a mythic champion is I think. a mythic champion and and a very nice guy yeah, <laughs> absolutely like one of the nicest around sure say. so yeah come and join our discord you can maybe also play our new cubes that we're cube on. ideas yeah. if we will actually keep our act together and finish the race
2: now that i know that you know i have to
0: now it's a race yeah, exactly
2: that, yeah. the the tough thing is gonna be if you beat me do i keep going
0: <laughs> ah, yeah okay right. and also yeah come and hang out on our streams when we play some chaos or when we design cubes i did my first cube design stream recently Most of the time before I was just playing, but Max is doing them relatively often.
1: I didn't know you even streamed, by the way. I'll go follow. (laughs) we should. That's great.
0: Thank you. Uh, And yeah, Wombat is also a member of our community streaming some cube design. Yeah. yeah. And just come to the Discord and then you find everything you need.
2: And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Ben for joining us. Great to finally have you on the show. We've wanted you for so long.
0: Oh yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, that was Great time. I feel like we talked for forever. It might be our longest episode oh, yet. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's been a while, but definitely a fun time, good conversation. Happy cubing, and yeah, we'll be talking to you again soon.
0: Hopefully, soon. Not like okay. this time. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. bye.